When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome, welcome, welcome. Florida State is 9-0 and on the season. You can punch your ticket to Charlotte. That has been clinched. Other than that, it was a so-so kind of afternoon in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for Florida State, but it ends with a W, and to that, we all say cheers. Alongside Gene Williams, the founder and administrator of Warchant.com, my name is Tom Lang, and welcome to the Warchant Game Day postgame call-in show brewed up by our friend at DeLuna Coffee. Gene Williams, a 24-7 victory for Florida State. They move along. It was dicey for a little while, but by the end of the third quarter, she was uh, in the rearview mirror. What say you on a day like today? Yeah, that was an ugly half. Man, at first, uh, it was actually statistically, score-wise, it was the worst first half since Florida State had since Wake's, the Wake infamous Wake game last year in Doe Campbell. Mm-hmm. Um, so really got off to a slow start. I mean, obviously, you had the fumble in the ocean opening drive, and it looked like they're going. They they go for it on fourth down. I, I know a lot of people are complaining. I don't have a problem with them going for it on fourth down. I think that was the right thing to do. I didn't like the play call, mm-hmm. um, but – I, I didn't have a problem with that. And it just, they just were sloppy on offense. And, you know, obviously the story of the game was Keon being out. We kind of thought Johnny might be for one more week. That was kind of the scuttlebutt that he's probably back from Miami. Good chance he's going to miss this game. He did, but Keon was a surprise. And I know we're going to get a ton of questions, Tom. Maybe you can get something. I, I was surprised at that. I, I didn't have any indication he wasn't going to play. So that, that was a surprise on us. But again, not to me, not a surprising. I know I picked a low score. Going to this game, this is kind of what I expected. I mean, you're look. I is I've been covering. I'm old. I've been covering this stuff for a long time, and I think we all put too much emphasis on matchups and scoreboard and some of this other stuff, and don't look enough at like the emotions of these kids. These are so young, very young adults, kids. And when you played a game against Wake, which was it was an emotional game for them, believe it or not, because Wake had had their number lately. You knew they they went focused. They played a really good game against them. Miami, it's a huge rival coming up next, and really most people look at that as that's the final thorn in your side to get into the playoffs, or at least to get, you know, until at least the ACC championship game. So this is one of the big hurdles left to get to the playoffs against a huge rival. It just makes sense to me that they were going to look ahead a little bit, and obviously, especially for a half, they did. They were very, very sloppy, but the positive, and people aren't going to talk about it, the defense came to play, and really, you know, hats off to Adam Fuller and those guys on that side of the ball. You know, it's amazing in that second half, once they got up two scores, it's, again, we knew the game was over. It, it, obviously, Narduzzi did because they're, they're punting when they're only down. I mean, they've got it on the, they have enough time to come back on a fourth and three, and they're punting the football. So, a little surprising to me on that. But, again, hats off to the defense. It was a sloppy win. But at the end of the day, 24-7, you take it. It's, it's a convincing enough win to get the job done. And, Clint, like you said, Tom, you clinched a berth into the ACC title game. 
Yeah, it's not pretty. Uh, there's no way to sugarcoat that part of it. Um, you could tell that in the first half, the passing game was completely out of sync. Jordan found his sea legs towards the end of the first half, and then mm-hmm. in that third quarter, I thought he played pretty well and made some really nice throws down the field. Yeah. Uh, it was just a strange game, Gene, because you have a 90-plus yard drive. You come away with no points because of that fourth down uh, situation. I'm not going to get into a five-minute diatribe about that, but when you're that shorthanded at skill positions and you're, you're screening your way down the field, Maybe you take the three in that moment on fourth and two. But, I, I mean, again, I'm not going to live there for yeah, five minutes. I just would have preferred an RP, the slow handoff yeah. up the middle, and that really didn't seem to be the play. I would rather get Jordan out on the edge with some kind of option play on something like that. But, again, I, 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 I and I'm the one who really usually criticizes Mike for the fourth down calls. I didn't have an issue with the done because, again, the defense was the game. and you, They would have – you're putting them in a hole anyway if you don't make it, which they did. Yeah, you had another red zone possession towards the end of the half that ends in a field goal, and that's a long drive too, Gene. So mm-hmm. Florida State at the half was averaging over six and a half yards per play and had just a few yards shy of 300 yards of offense in the first half of this game. It yeah, didn't Over 500 yards in the game. Yeah, it didn't feel that way. But you have yeah. 500 yards for the game. I'm not going to get into stats and try to explain away that this was sloppy. It was. It was. Yeah. This was disjointed. Like, don't get me wrong here, but the stats are on Florida State side in terms of the productivity on the offensive side of the football. I would just, I would pause it. I'm seeing some folks in the chat already, you know, Gene saying that if Washington wins convincingly, they're going to hop Florida State. I'm not so sure. Washington hosted Arizona State not that long ago in their building and didn't score an Mm -hmm. offensive touchdown on the way to a win. This wasn't that ugly. This wasn't that bad. This wasn't Washington struggling with Stanford either. Sorry, guys. I don't see Florida State dropping from four to five on this one. I got a secret to tell people. The committee isn't watching these games. They didn't watch FSU Pitt. They see the final score. They go, ah, 24-7, that's a pretty good win. Yeah. They're not watching these games. Yeah. We watch the games. They're not doing it, so it's it's fine. This was um, this is just you pack it up, you move it along. I thought the best part of today's game outside of the defense, um, you know, Gina Pitt had seven yards per play at, at the half because they had an 80-yard pass yeah, play. One play. That Fentrell fought through to the very, very end. Play. I, Fentrell has not been my favorite guy this season, but boy, yeah. he, he came up big. I mean, that's do not give up on a play like that, and you, you fight to the last second, and that's what happened. Great play by him. Yeah, that that bails you out. Uh, you're probably you're probably trailing at the half, so I'm not going to be delusional about that either. It's just that this was a, a ho hum day at the office, in which the offense, the best part of it to me was Jordan Travis bared down, and yeah. they found rhythm with what they had. You know, a couple of throws to Jakai, one of which was outside the numbers, was a beauty. Uh, he stayed in there uh, under pressure, completed a strike to Kyle Morlock towards the end of the first half, then ended up being 63 yards. But to me, Gene, that's a third and long. And it's just, it's about the play because there's pressure. Jordan stands in there. He makes the throw. Whatever happens, happens after Morlock catches it. But that's a guy making a play at a time that you need to have it happen. It wasn't Jordan's legs that, you know, took over this game, not by any stretch. In fact, there were a couple of times I think everybody was screaming, throw the ball away, Jordan, throw the ball away. Uh, But in the end, Florida State found enough rhythm on offense. They powered through the shortcomings and they controlled the game in the the middle of the second half, Gene. This game is over. We were pissed at halftime, but it was over in the middle of the second half. So how much can you truly complain about this? You're 9-0. It's Miami week. You've done your part. And if the TV network executives get this call right, we're going to be playing in prime time next week for the chance to win 10 games out of our first 10 to beat Miami and go a perfect 8-0 for the season in the ACC and have everything in front of us. So I like it. They were teasing that. You heard that at the end of the game, Tom, if you were listening to Brock, as they talked about a night game in Doak like it was a foregone conclusion. So maybe they know something there. 
and hopefully we'll find out later that the problem is with Miami playing later, Tom, my fear is they're going to wait till late. A lot of times we'll get oh, yeah. it in the evening in Miami. I think it's an 8 PM kickoff tonight. So we may not know till about midnight or so the kickoff time for Florida. But they also were teasing the possibility of game day being in Tallahassee. So cross our fingers that that happens. That would be something we got a night game. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, let's hope that happens, but no, you're right. Tom. I think I, I was also impressed that Jordan's play in the third quarter, passing the football, was about as best as I've seen because he didn't have his big targets out there. And a couple of his balls that he put exactly where they need to be, pinpoint accuracy when that was needed because they were they were not giving you the run. They were not they they caught onto the screen game. You need to have those shot plays downfield. And the thing that surprised me of all the receivers, and remember last week my one complaint was where are the receivers besides Keon? That, yeah. that nobody was stepping up. And the, I, I did I was that was especially early on. That was an issue. I never thought Ja'Kai Douglas was going to be that guy, but he was your most consistent go-to receiver in this game. It's still, I think, going to be an issue going forward and going into next season. Where is that go-to receiver after the big yep. two? Um, but again, I'm getting back off of that, but uh, Travis with some of those throws just really were great, and that's what ultimately won, I think, FSU the game. Obviously, then you had the big, uh, the big run by Benson there at the end to put it away. The other thing that's disappointing, a game like this is where you, where you want to rely on the running game, Tom. And not good today. Not, I mean, you take away Benson's long touchdown run, FSU averaged 2.2 yards per rush. Mm-hmm. If you take that, I know you can't. I mean, that's part of the game. It was in there, and, and it was a big play in the game. But on the whole, very disappointed that they could not get more of a running game going in a game where your two big receivers are out. You should have been able to lean on the running game. You didn't. That's unfortunate. They got it done. I'm not complaining, but I'm, you've got to point out these things. Yeah, there's no doubt, Gene, that uh, the run blocking needs uh, some improvement. Mrs. Z-Chan, thank you very much. We appreciate you. Mrs. Z-Chan, is she official <laughs> wife dentist of uh, Warchant? That, that is correct. The official wife DMD of Orchant TV. Ugly, but a W is a W. Thank you for what you just did. Don't thank us for what we do. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for what you just did. Uh, Gene, yeah, the run blocking is uh, less than stellar. We all know this at this point. There's a couple of plays where I'm not going to be Jimbo from circa 2016 or 17, but if one more dude does his job, it's out the gate. But we don't consistently do our job. And this is something that it shocked me after the Southern Miss game. Uh, Jeff uh, from the Jeff Cameron Show, the wildly popular Jeff Cameron Show, which you can hear on Warchant TV, said that Florida State had 50 plays of two yards or fewer in the Southern Miss game. Second game of the year in terms of success rate. You're talking about incompletions, runs that are stuffed at the line of scrimmage. And so since that point, he's been tracking the amount of run plays that go for two yards or fewer. Gene, there's another couple dozen in this game. Another couple of dozen in which there isn't any consistent push and there isn't synchronization in the running game. And on on an afternoon in which you don't have those big receivers on the outside, they can just attack the run. They can attack it yeah, and say, I did. dare you to complete a pass to Ja'Kai Douglas on the outside. The dude's five foot nine. Jordan eventually was able to do that with some consistency, but it's a smart game plan from Pitt, and yeah. we weren't able to do much with it. So, uh, yeah, the run blocking is uh, less than stellar, but it gets better, folks. It gets better if Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson are out there because more bodies have to be paying attention to your Titans on the outside. Um, you know, Gene, t- today I thought was interesting – and fun to watch for a couple of reasons um, beyond the score. Uh, you saw some younger players have big, big moments in this game. Uh, Rodney Hill, several trucking mm-hmm. RIP two defenders for Pitt, one in the first half mm-hmm. on a screen pass or, or a throw and catch and run. And then in the second half, 
he just trucked some poor corner. Like it wasn't quite uh, Greg Jones level, but it was very, very impressive from Rodney. Uh, you saw Don't forget about Conrad Hussey there. Was, yep, Conrad Hudson with the interception, also a forced fumble. That's on half mm-hmm. of him and Quindarius Jones. Ashlyn Barker had a, a sack uh, in the fourth quarter of this football game. Uh, a lot of young players had their moments tonight. Uh, so, you know, even with a 24-7 to game where there's not a whole lot of quote-unquote garbage time, the depth of the roster and the future of the roster found a way. Vandravius Jacobs in the first half, Gene, he was one of our studs of the spring and he completely disappears after the spring. There's a big pass over the middle in the first half. First play, he's on the field. He gets wide open over the middle, makes a catch. He also takes a targeting late yeah. in this game. Uh, you know, you're not going to talk about a lot of these headliners in terms of your star players on offense or defense, really, Gene. I, I, but the guys I was proud of were some of those younger players who got in there and made impacts. So it was good to see that. Yeah. The thing that was not good to see, Tom, and anybody who watched this game on TV was the coverage by ESPN. You could have swore this was an ACC network broadcast. I mean, it was – I have never seen as many missed down and distance calls. Yeah. On TV, one time they said it was fourth down, when it was third down. They got the down mm-hmm. and distance wrong. And I, I, I sent a – at the end of the third quarter, I took a screenshot. I sent this to our producer, Brent, so we can put this up here. So this was after Benson's – run for a touchdown long run for a touchdown look at that stat on the left rushing yards in the third quarter huh that's interesting after uh benson just had whatever it was a 50 yard touchdown run minus four rushing yards huh i mean it was like that all day long i don't know if they had an intern or the guy was drinking on the job or, or i guess maybe they had to inherit somebody from the acc network to come in to do this game um because this game should have been on acc network so it was it was sad on their part. You do better than this ESPN. This is pretty sad. If you can drink on the job, you should drink on the job with our friends at DeLuna Coffee and the Voodoo Blend, the Espresso Blend. Uh, if you find yourself falling asleep during that game, that's what uh, DeLuna is here for, folks. I'm going to tell you some more about their specials that they have during the course of today's broadcast. But we should note that our friends at DeLuna Coffee are owned and operated by Ed and Brett Lemmicks, who have a combined 30 years of experience in the coffee industry, and they are deeply involved in their community. They collaborate with two local law enforcement agencies and the Pensacola, uh, those two being the Pensacola Police Department and the Escambia County Sheriff's Office. Three different blends from our friends at DeLuna Coffee. Proceeds go to local charities. Those blends are the Midnight Shift, the Blue Angels Blend, and the High Noon Lawman's Blend. Who do they benefit? The U.S. Navy Morale Welfare and Recreation Program, the Rally Foundation of Pensacola, and the Escambia County Sheriff's Foundation. So if you want to support people who support Warchant.com, support Florida State Athletics, who are diehard Knowles just like you, and who also are involved in their community, you want to support DeLuna Coffee. West of I-4, and then to the east of the Panhandle, the border with Florida and Alabama at your local Publix, DeLuna Coffee is available for purchase in person. And you can always head to DeLunaCoffee.com. So to the 1,300-plus of you that are watching this particular edition of the War Chant Game Day postgame call-in show, cheers to you. Tell us what you're on in the chat. Gene's got a beer tonight, it would appear. What kind of beer are you drinking, Gene? Yeah, and someone had asked on there, so I'm trying to trying to make it a little interesting here. So uh, this is one of my favorite names for a beer there, Tom. Scofflaw. <laughs> what a cool name for a brewery there out of Columbus, Georgia. This is a tropical wheat mm. from Scofflaw Brewing. It's very tasty, so recommend these guys highly. Columbus. So if you take the 85 route up to Atlanta, that's, that's right. Yep. Oh, if, you yeah. go, if you go out the west route, yep, you go right by them, so. Outstanding. It, my, one of my favorite names. So I just I was thinking of the Seinfeld episode with uh, Newman in the Scofflaw. Oh, that's think of that. 
That's a good, you know what? Free, free pub for them. If you want yeah. to be a local brewery that we talk about, hit us up. Just find yeah, us. Yeah, we'll, we'll take you can you can send them to me and I'll bring them up on the show. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'm I'm open to be bribed. He will give you the the rating too, mm-hmm. Gene. Uh, one to five uh, helmet stickers for that for that beer. What That's do you think? True. That's true. What do you got? This this is about a this is about a four. It's got it's got a teeny bit of hop to it too, which I wasn't really expecting. It's kind of a little hoppy wheat, mm. so it's not bad. Not bad. About a four. Okay. With that. I've got a five-five drink right here. This is uh, uh, the Deluna Espresso Blend. A little bit of Kahlua and a little bit of spice. That's what we're talking about mm. right now. Again, thirteen hundred of you, welcome to the program. We've got some people that we need to thank for their contributions. Not yes. just this is E Chan, uh, but the official DMD of War Chant TV. We'll get to him in a moment. Joshua, no, it's all right. Let's go to let's go to him. Yeah, Joshua. The official DMD. Sorry, director. I'm, I'm I'm steering you in and out and in and out. <laughs> So Joshua donated 20 boneskis, and he says it was gross, oh. disgusting, abhorrent, yeah. unexplainable, and explicable, nerve-wracking, but FSU won by 17 without two stud receivers. 9-0 with a trip to Charlotte. Ja'Kai should break the rock. Bring on scum slash Miami. Yeah, you know what, Gene? I, I think you probably could argue that it's Ja'Kai Douglas night to break the rock. You talk about maybe Fuller also? Do we do a double? So Fuller's already broken it once this year with a okay. defender. You could get. I, mean, I, think, I don't know if there's anybody on defense, I and mean, unless you want to fend troll to break it for that, that just that one play alone. It you seems could. Like somebody on defense ought to be when you held Pitt to seven points and you kept FSU in the game uh, when it could have. You could have been down at half and said you were up ten seven, which seemed like a miracle. Um, to me, the de- some defense needs to be recognized. But yeah, I mean, Jakai was to step up the way he did and make those plays. I mean, and hats. I mean, Jordan obviously put it there, but Jakai made those tag and he. He was hurt for a while. He came back, kind of got off to a rough start, and he was very solid today. So I'm happy for Ja'Kai. And also, he might not be the oldest player on Florida State's roster, but he looks like the oldest player on Florida <laughs> State's roster. He could be 35 years old. Six catches for 115 yards for nice. Ja'Kai Douglas tonight. So uh, big performance from him. Garrett says, nickname for Kyle Morlock is Morlock the Warlock. He had yep. a huge game. Uh, he did pull some magic to break two tackles yes, there. The field. That was a 60-plus yard catch, Gene. Uh, this was another one of those days of the office for the offense in which there were explosives and then a whole lot of nothing in between. I'm seeing catches of 37, 63, 22, 48, mm-hmm. 29, and runs of 55 and 21. That adds wow. up to a lot of those 500 yards. Yeah, and then most would, of that 500. And then the rest were a bunch of runs for zero, one, and two yards. Yep. Florida man in Texas, 9-0, fellas. Locked into Charlotte for the first time since 2014. Hashtag finish the climb. Thanks for all the content to everyone at World. Thank you, Florida man in Texas. Thank Without you. you guys, War Chant doesn't exist. So, and you gals out there too. Thank you very, very. Yeah, Fourteen. Much. Someone brought that up too about. I guess we may have to do something in Charlotte, some kind of War Chant thing. I guess the nice thing is we have a little bit of time to plan it out now. We certainly we know do. we'll be there. Yeah. Now let's be uh, an eight and zero undefeated ACC regular that season. That would be Chant. make it much sweeter. That's the key. Double D Supreme on the surface, no, but I think it is a statement win. Okay. Fair enough. Double D Supreme. Okay. Yeah, that's about overcoming. That's what today was about. Johnny Zeno, Brigander, Gardner. I always do that to you, buddy. D stood up today. Travis was Travis. Run game was very mediocre. Didn't get style points, but got the win. Next week, baby. I don't think this is going to be one that they're going to hold against Eugene like Boston College. I don't think the committee can do that. I don't yeah, think because they're going to look at the final score. Again, I'm telling you, the final score is fine. If Ohio State, Michigan, any of those teams won 24-7 in a Big Ten game, would anybody even think twice? They wouldn't blink at that. There, there'd be no issue. So there's no issue here. Nobody's looking at the score or nobody's yeah. looking, watching the game in detail. 
Yeah, I think the uh, the Rutgers Ohio State game is uh, more of a foul today on a top four team than, yeah. than in the pit. Um, Z Chan, the official DMD of War Chan TV. We got to get better run blocking. Roddick mm-hmm. was poor. Uh, very good call, Z Chan. Uh, it's it's tough to call. Yeah, out. His grades might be a little ugly when I put those up in the morning. It's tough. There's a there's a play, a second down play to Rodney Hill in the third quarter that I think might be a house call if he can just block the linebacker mm-hmm. number thirty. I think it was for for Pitt. Yeah, they were uh, blitzing those linebackers a lot, weren't they? Right up the middle. They were. And there were there were a lot of those uh, for Roddick. It's uh it's tough. You, you hate to mm-hmm. call out young men, yeah. but sometimes you got it. Roddick has uh, been really really tough to watch the last couple of weeks. Got, glad we got the win. His wife beat him to it. Well, that's okay, Z Chan. At least you guys found each other. So you found you know found each other at the right time. Johnny again, Tweedledee and Tweedledum in the announcer mm-hmm, booth. Mm-hmm. I finally turned off the sound. Yeah, Mark Jones is usually better. That, that I, I was surprised, you know, but they messed up some stuff too. And whoever was controlling the, the what was being displayed, like I said, was ACC network level incompetence. Yep. Noel Kev, Red Solo Cup, Xbox Night. <laughs> sure, why the hell not? We haven't done it in a while. There it is. Still yep. think the team is a step behind from being great slash elite. Worry the team is going to let the wrong team at the wrong time hang around. Well, the good news, Noel Kev is that there aren't very many of those left on the schedule because you're 9-0. You're and 0. Uh, But I agree with you that when, when they don't have everybody at their disposal, they look markedly worse. I, I think they figured some things out about how to gene work around deficiencies and yeah. or lack of depth by the third quarter of this football game. But, I mean, when you lose Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman, that is going to be a, a problem, not, no matter how you slice it. So that's a tough one to answer. I know he brought that up too, and we haven't brought, I'm surprised it hasn't been brought up yet, but can we get a suey out there? How about those piggies? Oh, oh, that's oh, sorry. Okay, Woo-hoo-hoo. yeah. How about them piggies rolling out of Gainesville? Imagine that ride. Might be stuck on Archer and sitting in traffic on the way back, having to go home, losing to a two and six Arkansas team at home. And now they've got they got LSU, Missouri, and FSU. The last three, they have to win one of those to become bowl eligible. Yes, they do. That's so that's a shame. That's really a shame. Five and four are the Florida Gators. Ouch. That uh, it's not where we sit. We sit at we played nine games. No, where are we at? What's our record, Tom? We have played nine games just like oh, Florida. Oh, okay. They have lost four more than we have at this oh, point okay. in the season. Uh, Cam, thank you very much. We need to stop making our opponents look good. We love you, boys. Uh, yeah, the first half was a little rough, and that Fentrell Cypress play looms large. It looms yeah. large. Speaking of, you know, honestly, Gina, I don't know that that was legal. I think his hand is out of bounds when he actually begins to grab. Well, I wonder, I wonder what that rule is because the balls, he fumbled it into the end zone. Mm -hmm. So if the player out of, if he was out of bounds touching the ball, isn't the ball just out of bounds then? It might be a dead ball there. Anyway, I don't, you can't give him a touchdown. They didn't get it. So I would think it would be FSU's ball in the 20 anyway, either way, right? It could be. The only thing would be an illegal touch, and I don't know how they would assess that. Well, maybe that. the 20 and then half the distance because yeah, you can't yeah. give them a touchdown. But either way, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. Correct. I really don't know what that rule is. I've never seen that come into play. But it doesn't matter now. That was just a, a big swing of momentum yeah, yeah. in the game because uh, Fentrell lost a couple of guys down the field that were wide open in this game. Uh, the phone lines are open, and some of you have memorized the phone number because they're already mm. full. It's unbelievable. Can we change the number just to make it a little bit more interesting for people? We might have to here in the near future. But for right now, as it always has been, it's 850-805-5911. That's 850-805-5911. And, hey, if you really want to talk to us that much, then thank you for calling in early. We appreciate you, like our friend, who we've never heard from before, Glenn in Texas. Wow. Glenn in Texas wants to talk to us tonight. Welcome to the program. 
How are we doing today, gentlemen? Uh, we're hey, happy Glenn. To- Talking to you, Glenn. What's going on? Well, you know, the defense stepped up today, and, you know, people, it's just survive in advance, gentlemen, and people keep making the big deal of all these other games going on. But uh, you got to eliminate the clutter. you got to focus on what you can focus on. And, hey, we just had over 300 yards passing with two of the top ten receivers in the country out. What does that tell you? There you go. Tells you Travis is pretty darn good. It does. Thank you, Glenn, in Texas. We hope to hear from you again. Yes, 360 yards on 36 passing attempts. Uh, and that should be, you know, if you're, if you're telling up the Heisman stuff, and it's probably not going to even get mentioned on ESPN, but that's a great point, Glenn. Thank you. Um, you have a quarterback without two of the best wide receivers in the nation. You know, one guy might be a top 10 draft pick out of the game, and he still th- throws for 360 yards in the game. Doesn't have a turnover. Um, I mean, it just shows that Travis is not a one-dimensional guy that he can overcome adversity. So, yeah, I mean, I think in hindsight, we look at this, this is this was really a lot on Travis winning this game. Yeah, and a little bit better in the red zone and maybe, you know, the third yeah. quarter. The, the beginning of the second half isn't as dicey. But at any rate, if you want to make an argument for Jordan Travis to be a Heisman candidate, that's the way to do it. Your two best receivers, two NFL guys are out. You still throw for 360 yards in a ball game. It's an easy argument to make at that point. Uh, we'll be going to our second caller in just a minute. Once he gets out of the screeners room, he'll be calling in for the 122nd time. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert. I wonder who that could be. That is. So, Gene, your official vote, mm-hmm. your official vote is a, a defensive player for breaking the rock tonight? Yeah, but, I mean, if people made some good points. It's not like Cypress had a great game. He did have some breakdowns in the secondary, too. But it's almost, to me, I love when players don't give up on plays. To me, it's just, it's so cool what he does. And, I mean, I, I think what, I mean, honestly, it's Jordan. I mean, it should be, if you want to talk about the most important player in this game is Jordan Travis. Like we just pointed out that it was all on him to win this game. And he wasn't able to do it with his feet. He was able to do something a couple of years ago. People didn't think he could pass. I remember having a debate with somebody about a year and a half ago on the message board. Well, he's never had a 300 yard game. He can't throw the ball, blah, 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 blah. Well, he threw the ball really well without his top two receivers in this game. To me, that says a lot. So I would say him or obviously Ja'Kai would be a good vote too, because obviously he needed a receiver to step up, and Ja'Kai did big time. The Godfather himself, uh, the man who sponsors the yeah. program. Ed, thank you very much. You already sponsored the program. You didn't have to thank do you, that. Ed. But appreciate we appreciate it. you. And uh, just for that, a little bit of uh, – there we go. A little extra extra and right label. My shoulder there, too. There we, we go. Got the, uh, we got the Blue Angels blend and the night, Midnight Shift. Let's hope Travis is not hurt for Miami. Go Knowles 9-0. Well, he was interviewed on the field afterwards, Ed. I was hoping that Quint Kesnick would ask him the question, how you doing? But Jordan gave no indications of feeling ill after the game. Or, you know, uh, I think he'll be just fine to play Miami. Hopefully he's not limited, though, even if he does play. And that limp was just something that happens uh, in a game of a football. Charlie horse or something, yeah. He limps a lot, too. So this wouldn't be the first time he's ever limped in his life. So I think we'll be okay there. But thank you very much, Ed. We appreciate it. The wealth influencer. All right. Welcome to Miami. Nine and O, baby. Wasn't pretty, but I'll take it. Shout out to Warchant. Thanks for all you do. Well, thank you. Thank you. Influencer. I hope you're influencing people well in, uh, in the wealth mm-hmm. department. We now go to the 757 for the 122nd time in the history of Warchant TV broadcasts. We talk to Gator Kirk. Gator, welcome to the program. Go ahead. Let's go, fellas. How are you doing this evening? Undefeated, man. How are you? Doing well. I'm good. Uh, I'm really good. I think you already asked, answered my question. I was in the queue with Terry. So the question was who was going to break the rock? And I was thinking it was going to be um, Ventra, uh, Cypress. But 
So this, so I'm going to change it up. Okay. So based on the lack of our, I guess, star performers, wide receivers, things like that, what do we need to do to focus for Miami? Because my hurricane warning flags going out in, in front of my house once I hang up this damn phone. <laughs> Uh, well, that's a good question. And, uh, and now hang that flag up with pride, Gator Kirk. Yes. Uh, that phone didn't do anything to you too. Don't curse your phone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. They started the game, Gene screens to the left screens to the right. <laughs> some more screens. Then they threw some more screens and occasionally yeah, and I, yeah, they kind of cut, pick caught onto that after a while. They're like, nah, okay. That was the first play. The second half was a screen and Pitt's like, yeah, uh, we can guess it's coming. that. So that's part of the answer, uh, Gator, and it worked. You know, they, they had a 90-plus yard drive uh, thanks to some screens. Uh, they had another really, really long drive. A couple of screens were mixed in there. Uh, so that can work to a degree, but you need guys to step up and make some plays. Ja'Kai finally did. In fact, he caught one over the middle where he took a pretty good hit. I think that was in the first half. Uh, so through contact and then outside the numbers where Jordan is just exceptional at dropping you know, passes right in that little spot for a fade outside the numbers. Those are some elements that can help. But then, Gene, also the tight ends were a big part of the game today. I know Jaheim Bell didn't have a ton of yardage, uh, but a lot of targets, and Jaheim Bell finished with five catches. Morlock had four for 80 yards. Yeah, real good there, too. Yeah, I I would – look, I love getting them involved. I just – I want to see Jaheim on more of those routes out in the open field. I just feel like he – on the screen, but look, I you know I love getting Biscuit involved. We all love Biscuit, and that was obviously an awesome play that they didn't see him coming, which really to me was kind of the the turning point with the game. It's like okay, when he made that touchdown, you kind of thought okay, they're gonna be okay at this point. But early, I'm not a big fan of the screen plays to Biscuit. You know, to me, or getting him in the open field type thing. Let's get Shaheem or somebody who can make a turn a five yard thing into a fifty yarder because they have the ability to knock people down and get out in open space. And I didn't, you know, I didn't see enough plays to me, not out discounting the screen, some of the shorter plays in the middle of the field. Because it seemed to me like, again, I, it, maybe when you get with Dominic Robinson, which you which you do with Dominic each week and break down film, I'm a little curious because it seemed like their linebackers are blitzing a lot. It seemed like the middle of the field should have been open for some short plays where yeah. those guys just covered and they weren't there. The receivers weren't getting separation. I don't, I, I couldn't tell in the, in the TV broadcast film what was happening there. Um but to me, that's something I would like to have seen them do, do a little bit more instead of relying on a five foot eight nine receiver down the field making those plays. And he did eventually. And hats off to him and to Travis for making those throws. But it just seemed like if you didn't have the running game, it almost seemed like Mike Norvell for a big stretch of that game was confused. I don't know what to do. Yeah, they they did have some slants and in breaking routes early, but they didn't do much after the first couple of drives. I remember there was yeah. uh, on a third down, it might have been Darion that he hit for one, and I think maybe Kentron, although Kentron didn't have a, a big game today at all. No. Um, in fact, no, it, wasn't, it Mark, could have been Kentron. He'd never yeah. kept. So he, a, a lot of targets, but no catches. I mean, that's the thing. You look at the you look at the receiver totals after Douglas, and you're just like, where are they? I mean, yeah. I mean, Rodney Hill had two. Uh, uh, yeah, was it? Yeah. Um, Destin had one. Destin had one. Uh, Jacobs had one. And Williamson had one. Was that it? That's it. So outside of Ja'Kai Douglas' production at wide receiver, three catches for 57 yards. Three catches for 57 yards from Florida State wide receivers today. That's unacceptable. Yeah, you know, this is Florida State after all, and even if your top two guys are down, you got to do better than that. That's fair. If you're saying that right now, you're screaming it at your television, or that's what you're hanging your head about a little bit after being 9-0, so don't hang it for too long. 
Was, was yeah. Akeem, I didn't see Akeem out there either. Was he also out? He was, I, I think, yeah. So that's mm-hmm. another one. So you had – you could yeah. say your three top receivers were – wide receivers were out of the game. It depends how you slice it. But to me, those are your top three receivers. It's a rough day for Kentron. I mean, let's just say it. This is a huge opportunity for you in that moment, and you, you get bageled. There's nothing there. Are you a little – I mean, that to me, and I don't know if it's lingering because obviously he was out for a while. He was banged up or something's going on because it's the guy that was – he was one of the talk of the spring. And I had him – if I go back and look at my preseason top 40, I had him up pretty high, and he may be the guy that I would be like, okay, I'm whiffed on that one. He yeah. was so good in the spring, and I knew Keon was coming in. I go, well, he probably drops to the number three, but I thought he was going to be that next guy, and he was so dominant in the spring and just completely disappearing. It's it's kind of shocking. Yeah, that did happen. He was dominant in the spring, and you know, Destin Hill has missed a few games with an injury, and you mm-hmm. could tell on the one catch and run, it's basically a scramble play, and Jordan hits uh, Destin over the middle after scrambling to his left. That Destin Hill tried to get it to fifth gear, and they're just he didn't look explosive at all. No, that he's nursing something. You could tell yeah. that there's a reason he was missing some action. And judging by that play, without speculating about practice access, it's clearly a lower body injury or a core injury of some mm-hmm. kind because he, Destin moves a hell of a lot faster. Oh, than yeah, that's what people may not realize who haven't seen him play a whole lot. He's a speed guy. Yep. And he, he went from about a 4-3 to about a 4-6-5, it looked like, <laughs> on that run. To the uh, phone lines, we go again. For the 41st time, the 41st time in the history of War Chant TV, we go to the 516 to New York, and we're talking to Coach Josh. I'm calling you Coach Josh now. Hopefully that's okay. Josh, welcome to the program. Tommy, Tommy, Dino! Listen, you have to be happy that we won the game in the way that we yes. won it. This was like this was a, the, like a gritty you know, puts the team on Jordan and trades back to the game. Just how Pittsburgh normally plays anyway. I was just happy that we didn't get, you know, we didn't get too sucked in with the fact that Pittsburgh got beat by Notre Dame as badly as they got beat last week because they are the team that beat Louisville. So, mm-hmm. like, it's not, you know, I hate to quote this guy, but Jimbo used to always say it's not ever as good as the team, it's not always as bad as the team, right? And, like, these dudes, they weren't as, as bad. Their defense is legit especially their front seven up front. Like, it was it was hard. And it was like a perfect storm. Their front seven is legit. You know, we didn't have our two top targets, so we had to rely on the running game and the screen game. So that, that, that in itself just gave, you know, caused the pause. However, I do have a question. I do have a question. I saw the predictions that all, all the, the entire War Chant staff made. Did we make those predictions knowing that Keon was out? Or did we make those predictions knowing that Keon or thought that Keon would play? Anyway, you guys do a great job as always. You can call me Coach Josh. Josh, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to send as many guys as far to stay as I can. Have a good one, guys. Love you guys. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Josh. Uh, so, Gene, I think you had Florida State not cracking the 30-point mark this week. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yep. Uh, is this the reason why? <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> I didn't think no, look, I didn't think Johnny was gonna play. Yeah. Um, so that factored in. Look, I, I said it earlier. To me, it was more of the emotion. We put too much emphasis on, well, Notre Dame just blew them out. FSU's a lot better than them. They're two and six. You're gonna roll all over them. And with Miami next up on the schedule. Now, Miami was next up on the schedule. I knew they're gonna play a sloppy game. I knew that as much as you I think Mike Norvell does a great job coaching these guys and keeping them focused on the task at hand. But at the end of the day, these are still young adults and there's emotions involved. It's hard for them to play. You don't see college teams 
play blow everybody out though. Even the elite teams, they always have get, they always have peaks and valleys. It happens yeah. ev- to every team that wins a lot of games, no matter how good they are, and sometimes no matter how bad the opponent is. I just saw this as being one of those classic games where they're going to play sloppy because they're going to look ahead a little to Miami, and that's what we got. Even so, even with you still had a, you know, relatively convincing victory at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, to answer your question, Coach Josh, no. Um, perhaps there was a whisper or two about Keon leading into today, but it didn't feel like it was, yeah. you know, a certainty that he wasn't going to play. And then Johnny was close, I think. So um, I, I just figured, and we all figured, look, if it's close, he's going to be, they want to get him ready for Miami. You know, that's kind of what was my assumption. Yeah, it's disappointing that the 30-plus point streak is over. Uh, that was And the- you could have had it at the end, which kind of stinks. I, and I know Norvell's a class guy and didn't want to run the ball, I mean, at the end. But one more play, you had plenty of time to get that last play off, but I get it. Yeah, you know you're not going to do that, but it was it was right there to get that 30 points. Uh, Florida State now has won 15 in a row, though. So there is that, everybody, for 15 consecutive. Yeah, yeah 15 consecutive of these post game shows, we're smiling. So we all we all like that very much. We now go to West in the Villages. He is closing in on 100 total calls. Oh, someone just said they're going to Athens. at game day is. Yeah, well, because both Jordan uh, and Ole Miss won, so that that's screw you, ESPN. The reason for that. I know Kirk Herbstreit had alluded to that on the broadcast as well. Mm. But for the 92nd time, he's closing in, everybody, on Warpant TV. It is Wes in the Villages. Go ahead, Wes. How you doing? What's up, fellas? You know, it don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning is winning. And when you're on the road, you're down your two best receivers. You got Miami next week. You know, all these things. You, you bottle it all together. You know, you're happy with the win. You clinch a spot in the ACC championship, get everybody healthy. You got the big robbery game next week, so you look forward to that. It was definitely a sluggish start, but in the end, they they only score seven points. So mm-hmm. with all things considered, I think we can all agree that if Johnny and or Keon had played, we'd have probably easily had another 14 points and it would have been a big old blowout and we get on down the road. Give props to Gene for uh, you know, uh his 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 uh call on the on the score of the game. But you know, I I, I just you know it, it's just one of those things it was kind of a squirrely game and I, I'm not shocked. I, I didn't think it would be that rough uh as a start. But to play in the second half and do what they do, you just feel like this team you know, they find ways to win. And like I said, you know, winning the game, the most important thing. And and uh, hopefully everybody's healthy. I really look forward to seeing you guys next week. I'm anxious to get up there and uh, and uh, get ready for the Miami game. And uh, But anyway, you guys, as always, you know, keep up the great work, love everything. And, of course, if, if, if you haven't done it so far, everybody needs to hit that thumbs up. <laughs> Subscribe to WarChant.com, the best in the business. Get on that promo before Gene decides to yank it. You're crazy <laughs> if you haven't. Get you some DeLuna coffee. That stuff will keep you going. It's the best in the business. My brother Ed is the best. Y'all be good and go Knowles. See you next week. Thank you, Thank you, Wes. I love the positivity from Wes. Every time I'm a little, maybe a little, eh, the game didn't go, you know, a little annoyed at the way they played. Wes always brings me back up. That's the way it should be when you're 15 wins in a row, yes. uh, as Florida State is right now, and you're nine and zero. And Gene, you know, football—he doesn't like using cliches. Maybe I don't either. Uh, but it's a war of attrition. 
as they say. Today was attrition laden for Florida State. You've got banged up offensive linemen too, and that doesn't go away, and that's that's terribly annoying. I didn't see Robert Scott once today, and he played about 25 snaps last week. Uh, so that's a development. Bless Harris started the game at left tackle. And I think he warmed up with the first team because I think I reported he was out there with the first team of warm-ups. That's really odd. He, he might have. Uh, bless, sorry, Bless Harris warmed up at left tackle to start uh, the, the final rushes in, in warm-ups. Oh, okay. But then Darius Washington started the game at left tackle for Florida State, but he's not 100%. We know that from weeks mm. ago that he was coming off of an injury. Bless Harris is only getting up to speed. Uh, they're really banged up. I, I think Maurice Smith is battling through some stuff too, Gene. So they're really banged up on the offensive line. They're trying to fight through it, and they don't have their two best pass catchers. They don't really run block that well anyway. So you're one-dimensional in a sense, Gene. You're, you're having to dribble uh, left-handed, but then also maybe with a gimpy ankle in, in a basketball analogy. <laughs> and you still find a way to rack up about 300 yards of offense in the first half, and you put this game away by the end of the third quarter. You had to battle through it today without anything close to your best 11 on the offensive side, and you find a way to win. That's the positive spin yeah. on the game, but there's also a lot of truth to that. But, yeah, it's it's, it's a spin, but, again, look at, look at Ohio State, look at Georgia, look at all these teams have had games like this. You know, some a lot worse than this, as a matter of fact. Um, and, uh, you know, Washington, you know, pointing out losing to Arizona State, not having an offensive touchdown. You know, all these elite undefeated teams, and this is actually a pretty decent win in the grand scheme of things, especially considering where this game fell on your schedule. Pitt's yeah. got nothing to lose. You got Miami next. Like you said, you were banged up all over the place. Your top two players on offense were out, and you still managed to win rather convincingly on the road. Yeah, agreed. Jim, thank you very much for the contribution. Uh, I guess there's a super sticker. I hope the sticker is really cool. And then uh, Nico says, FSU didn't score 30, but them not scoring 30 is 100% on Mike Norvell's cutesy fourth quarter play calling. But anyway, on to Cryemi. Is he talking yeah. about the uh, the little double reverse, whatever, flip back? I nonsense. believe that was the uh, the LSU flea flicker that lost 15 yards. What was up with that flea flicker call? That was, especially the, the way the game was going at that point. Yep. I was like, oh, I have this fun play in my playbook. Yeah, it's a good time to pull it out. I mean, it's you had them on the ropes. You were doing, you know, you were almost pretty much in field goal range, I think, for another, I mean, for more points to put on the board, if nothing else. What are you doing, Mike? Yeah, that was the worst call of the game. We can debate about the first fourth down, whether you go for a touchdown there, or you take the points. But that one, that Eugene, I believe that was the drive that started with Rodney Hill's trucking of the corner. And then mm-hmm. a couple more plays, you can tell that they're just caved in. They're done. It was that pick by uh uh, Vayer at uh, Conrad Hussey probably could have mm-hmm. returned to the house if not for the bad. If he doesn't fall down, yeah, yeah, and uh, that's because the Steelers played on Thursday night in that building, mm-hmm. so you could see the replacement turf in the middle of the field. Um, but at any rate, they had gotten over midfield and they were moving, and Pitt wasn't going to resist. And then, so the play call is not great. And then also Jordan, you know, you know, based upon the way it's lined up, that Marquison is one on one with the defensive end. You you got to get rid of the ball if it's not there, dude. Yeah, it's yeah. either there because you do the play, you've either fooled them or not. If you right. haven't fooled them on the play, if there's guys are covered, throw it away. Yep, that's a few times today that Jordan thought he had more time than he did. Uh, but again, at any rate, it's twenty four to seven. Florida State wins. Uh, it's a fair argument, Nico, that you make that maybe Mike held them back from scoring thirty. Uh, but they do win, and they are nine and zero. We go down to Denver, Colorado, to talk to Vincent in Denver for the seventh time on War Chant TV. Vincent, go ahead. Welcome to the program. Good evening, Tom and Gene. Uh, I'm finding myself super grateful that our offense, despite having one arm to hide, tied behind its back, still found a way to put up some points, and the defense looks solid as always. I just had, uh, I guess, two quickish questions for you guys, real quick. Here, are you guys concerned about a running game? 
given that Miami, you know, it's probably going to have a little bit more of a talented and more motivated defensive line coming at us next week. And then I was also just kind of curious uh, about Braden Fisk. I kind of feel like that guy's been overshadowed today. Like he was doing some really good stuff uh, disrupting the run. Um, but as always, I just appreciate your guys' thoughts and perspectives. Thank you very much, Vincent. Thank uh, you, Vincent. It's a concise and excellent call uh, because it raises two good points. Gene, I know what my thoughts are on Miami's defensive front against Florida State's offensive line, but would you like to weigh in first? What do you think about next week? Well, you mentioned it before, and I think one of the disappointing aspects uh, this week was the inability to run the football. When is a game when you need to lean on the run? I thought because your top two receivers were out, so this is a game where you should be able to run the ball a little bit better. So that was disappointing. I think Pitt schemed it up correctly, though. They knew you had a big weakness with those receivers out, so they put it. They basically look like again. I want to look where they basically going one on one with your receivers mm-hmm. and stacking the box, which it looked like to me. If that combined with the offensive line being banged up, as you pointed out, probably contributed to it. But yes, I am definitely, as Vincent pointed out, concerned about the offensive line. Yeah, Braden Fist. Just again, I look at the stats and I'm like, he had the one sack, which we saw. But I, it, when I'm looking at him right now, he says one tackle for one sack. And to me, yep. it just seemed like he was disruptive the whole game. Yep. Yeah. So that's, you're, you're, that's I'm so glad you pointed that out, Vincent. I was disappointed last week. I thought he played really well. And I went back and looked at the PFF grades. It was it was fine, but I just figured they would have graded him higher because he's, it seems like he's making an impact constantly and disrupting the middle of the line, which is so important. When you throw a quarterback off, you throw the running game off, when you've got stuff going on in the middle of the field, it's so important for defense to be able to do that. So, yeah, Braden Fisk is just playing great ball right now. Yeah, next to the offensive line and then back in the day in old offenses, the fullback. I think the most thankless position in football, Gene, is defensive interior because a lot of the times your disruptiveness allows for other dudes to make plays. Um, and your disruptiveness might force a quarterback to get rid of a ball quicker than he wants to. You don't get credit for anything, but it might be an interception or it might be an incompletion because of you winning on that down. So, Vincent, that's a great call. Uh, Fisk has been very effective this season. This has been, it's been an excellent get out of the portal. Remember, it came down to Notre Dame and Florida State at the end, and uh, Notre Dame was decrying that their NIL game was too weak to not be able to beat Florida State, <laughs> and FSU was able to close the deal there. I thought the best moment, Gene, I was jealous of Braden when he came off the field after that sack. Did you see how happy Odell was as he gave him the big grandfather <laughs> I hug? I didn't see that. Oh, the smile was ear to uh... ear for Odell. That, that was, uh, I was jealous. That looks like a, a great hug to get uh, on the Florida State sidelines, but uh, Braden hey. played... Go ahead. I was saying, by the way, LSU, if you're going to keep track, up 7 nothing right now on Alabama. So really good for Florida State. Obviously, Clemson beating Notre Dame. They go on Ohio State beating Notre Dame when it was really almost like one play at the end of the game. Well, Clemson, it kind of showed it's hard to go into Clemson and beat them. Yep. Uh, Notre Dame couldn't do it. Florida State did do it. Uh, that should give them some credit. Now, what will Florida State's resume be like if LSU beats Alabama? Mm. Now, will the committee forget that Florida State won convincingly against that team that may end up being the SEC East champs if they win this game? Yeah, yeah, West. But, yeah, uh, the answer is yes. Or SEC West, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, essentially what happens here is if LSU wins, they still need a lot of help because Ole Miss has a head-to-head and Ole Miss only has one conference loss, and that's the Georgia game next week. But I, they'll forget, Gene, because yeah. <laughs> they do a great job of just, you know, glossing over details uh when mm-hmm. when it suits their cause i mean it's, it's just like on tuesday night and we'll have another college football playoff show for you coming up this, this week guys at seven o'clock on uh tuesday night here on war chant tv to see where florida state is ranked in the second installment of the college football playoff 
of 2023. But Gene, you saw it on ESPN when they had the graphics of the resume comparisons of the top teams. They went three deep, not four. Yeah. What gives there? If you put four teams up on that screen, which you can do and you can fit by working <laughs> graphics, there's plenty of space to make that happen. People would say, well, what gives about Florida State? Well, their resume seems to compare very favorably yeah, against yeah. Michigan and against uh, Georgia, but they didn't do that. So uh, I'm not going to give ESPN or the College Football Playoff Committee the benefit of the doubt. Uh, we now go down to Miami for the fifth time to talk to Tommy in Miami. Tommy, welcome to the program. Happy Miami week to you, sir. Happy Miami week. Uh, big game coming up this weekend. Um, so just a couple questions. Just wondering if we're going to be fully loaded for that game. If we if we have any idea as to what the direct injury was uh, to Keon Coleman, if it was, or if it was just rest. And then um, just kind of commenting on the game. I think if we ran Jordan a little bit earlier more, I know we were trying to run the ball, but I think if we ran Jordan a little bit more, we might have had the passing game open. What do you guys think about that? Appreciate the call, Tommy. Thank you very much. Gene, your thoughts? Um, I don't have any information on Keon, his situation. Now, I don't know. Mike, we, have, we haven't been able to watch it. Mike Norvella's post-game press conference might already be up. Uh, we're mm-hmm. We want you to tune off our show right now, but I'm guessing he would be. I'm hoping somebody said, what's his status? What's going on there? So we'll, whether my comment or not, I don't know. Obviously, the War Chant rap will be up later. We have not, at the time we got onto the show, uh, which we started literally when the game ended, we have not heard anything on our end what his deal is. He looked fine on the sideline, but I, I don't know what was going on there. Um, so we have no idea on that. And then um, I'm sorry, what else was Tommy asking about? Uh, he was asking if they ran Jordan a little bit earlier. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now they ran him a couple times. It was an odd to me, Tom, a couple times they ran him seemed to be between the tackle stuff. Yeah. It didn't seem like there was a whole lot of read option stuff going on, which is a little surprising that he could, you know, that play where you go in, you can break to the outside I didn't see him get outside a whole lot, which is a little odd to me that he didn't seem to have a whole lot of opportunities to kind of, you know, expose the defense a little bit by stretching him side to side. So I'm not really sure what was up with that. There you okay, go. From, go. Uh, Thank you. Twitter. Thank you. Director Ben puts us on the screen. Orville said Keon Coleman was dealing with a minor injury he sustained in the Wake Forest game. Hopes to get him back soon. All of the injured receivers are getting close to being available. So there is the answer mm. there. That tracks. I think that's correct. Just put it that way. We are not allowed to disclose any farther, but yeah, I think yeah, yeah. That, that tracks, Gene. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. again, I we'll, we'll never know if it was, you know, if they're playing Miami this week, does he play? I don't know. I think he would, but I mean, I'm, I'm just speculating. I have no idea. I, I, I do expect him to play against Miami. And, and that update that uh, Mike Norvell gave seems to track with that. I think so too. All right, we'll leave it at that without getting ourselves in trouble. Yeah. We now go to the official DMD of Warchan TV. Haven't talked to him since uh, September. Goodness gracious. Ooh. But my goodness, uh, Z-Chan, thank you to you and thank you to the missus for um, the contributions to the program. The floor is yours. Go away. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, hey, guys. Uh, it's been a while. It's so hard when I'm <laughs> breaking down tailgate stuff and getting out of the stadium. <laughs> Rasslin youngins usually I can't call in, but tonight I'm I'm uh, posted up at the in-laws. We watched the Georgia game and this game at the same time. Had two TVs going, so I had, had a lot of fun. Um, glad we got the W, but holy smokes, that was ugly as I'll get out. Um, I was uh, I know I said it in my comment earlier, but the, the offensive line play um, was just 
absolutely terrible. And I, I don't know. Um, you you called it, Tom. That was the that was the play that I was really the most frustrated about was that that um, that one Rodney Hill had where he he is gone. That is a touchdown all day long. But Casey Roddy just just barely touches his guy, and and the guy's able to make a, a good tackle, and he goes nowhere. Um, and it's just really frustrating. Thank goodness that our defense and defensive line played pretty much. Um, unblemished in, in the whole game except for that one um, busted play that thankfully uh, Ventrell saved our, saved our tail on. So, um, but I don't know. I, I don't know what – I don't know. It's not all um, Casey Roddick, but, man, it, he's he's definitely had his fair share of missed blocks. and So, we'll see. Hopefully that doesn't come back to bite us. You know, it, it, in these games it hasn't been a big deal, but you, you play a Georgia, you play a – uh, a Michigan, Ohio State, you, that's not going to work out. That's not going to work out in your favor. So, Agreed. Well, thank you very much, Z-Chan, for the call. We appreciate it. Um, and, again, thank you for the contributions. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's not like 70 at left guard has been the only guy that's that's had issues. There, I think mm-hmm. the Duke game, Gene, uh, Roddick was removed. and He lost his helmet on a play. He came out, and then Demetri Emanuel goes and plays left guard. Keandre Jones comes off the bench, plays right guard, and kind of stays that way for the rest of the game. I just wonder if Florida State can ever get their entire offensive line healthy at the same time, which they have not, not once this season in nine games, what the five would be. Uh, It's impossible to know, but I just wonder, Gene, what the five would be. Yeah, I mean, Zichin's right, and I think that's maybe the story of why, because this is a game you need to lean on the offensive line to establish a run you couldn't, but your point that obviously there's a lot of banged up. But you hope if – you know, we're all assuming hopefully Florida State does get the opportunity to play a Michigan or an Ohio State or a Georgia in the playoffs. But my thing is that's a long way off. And that's a long time to heal up. So, you know, you have that long break after the, uh, you know, after the ACC championship game till those playoffs start. And you hope that might give these guys who, you know, nobody's obviously serious. Mm-hmm. And you hope these guys, you give them three weeks to heal up. So maybe they will be close to 100% with top, by the time you play those teams. So you might see a very different offense. Hey, headliners and elite headliners. It's Ira here, and it's time to talk Shopify. As you remember, a couple of years ago, we wanted to create and sell Headlines merch for the best podcast listeners in the world. That's you. But we had no idea where to get started. Now we're selling Yay Sausage shirts, and it's so easy. All because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're a startup working out of your man cave or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to grow your business without all the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. You could be selling Don Julio socks from Shopify's in-person point of sale system or offering headliner shirts from Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform. Whatever you need, you're covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love most about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up today for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com warchant, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash warchant, all lowercase, and they'll help you grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Go to shopify.com slash warchant. It's a line. 
when you're going up against those teams. You just hope I just hope they can get to that point. Let's let's get them to that point where they could have some time to heal up to play those teams. I but I don't think if you get to those games, I think you'll see a very different, more healthy offensive line than we're seeing right now. And maybe even by by you know by Florida, you know, just by normal stuff. Hopefully, you know, you get by Miami and then you've got, you know, you've got some easy games before Florida, you can just kind of ease everybody up a little bit. I think that was Tommy's question earlier was what's your concern level? Might have been Vincent. Forget uh mm-hmm. forgive me if I got it wrong. Um, you know, what's your concern level about Miami's defensive line? That's the number one concern. There's no other concerns. If the receivers play, they're gonna win their one on ones, but you gotta have time. Uh and last year, Gene, they know it. They're pissed off about it. We ran counter at him play after play after play, and they didn't have the heart to stop it. And Florida yeah. State ended up, you know, gashing him to the tune of forty five to three with the same play play basically for the entirety of the second and third quarter. Uh, so they're going to come in with their hair on fire in that situation. They're playing NC State now to try and improve. So I think they would be seven and two on the season if they win tonight, which is, I mean, with the Georgia Tech loss, that's actually still a pretty impressive. So they, they really ought to only be a one loss team. And that was in a pretty competitive game against North Carolina it was a loss. So, I mean, it's, it's not me there. This is this is a surprising Miami team to me so far, because I really thought based on the last two decades, it would just lay down and die after Georgia Tech, because that's what Miami does. They're quitters. Yeah, but they didn't do it. They they fought back and they they're they're resilient. They were going in November. Now, well, I say all that and maybe they'll lay an egg at North because we know what a rat trap that is up there at uh, Old Raleigh. Mm-hmm. So you never know. They could lay an egg tonight. But they've been very resilient for a Miami team. They could. I know there's a question about the defense too. And and you know, statistically, Gene averages are there for a reason. So you can't just like throw away one blown play because it happened and it counted. Yeah. But just to give some perspective here, Florida State gave up 333 yards on the night. The uh, total per play for Pitt was 5.6 yards per play. Yeah. Take away that busted coverage. Again, mm-hmm. I, I get it. I get the larger point. But uh, Pitt's yards per play total is under 4.3. So, I mean, it's yeah. it, all in all. And not only really how much you heard, it was driving me nuts. They were talking about how dominant Pitt's offensive line was and how they were just grinding Florida State. And I was like, what are you talking about? So so Pitt averaged 3.7 yards per carry. Whippy-doo. Yep. That's not that's nothing to be, to be bragging about. I mean, it's not. So again, I just that that annoyed me a little bit that Mark Jones and them kept going on and on about how Pitt's offensive line was so great in that game. No, uh, really. I mean, you had three tackles for loss, but the impact with, from Florida State's defensive line was more than three tackles for loss. Yeah, they won. They won yeah, plenty of battles there, and they did it again. What they always do, Gene. They rotate a bunch of guys. Daniel Lyons. I want to see his snap count at the end of the game uh, with the Pro Football Focus grades. Freshman Daniel Lyons, uh, redshirt, I guess at this point, but. Um, he had to have at least played a dozen snaps. I saw him out there with Fabo a couple of times. Uh, I mean, they, and obviously those two defensive ends in Gilbert Edmond and uh, Byron Turner, they were out there a bunch too. Yeah. So Florida State continued to, uh, to rotate their guys and they largely made their plays. So uh, no complaints about the defense, especially okay. after that first shot down the field, they did pretty well. We now go to Charlotte where we will all be in about a month's time, but we go talk to Michael in Charlotte. Michael, first time, welcome to the program. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you uh, getting on and being able to chat with you. Uh, Go Knows, great win. What I really wanted to bring up was the fact that Clemson just won at home against the ranked Notre Dame team really signifies how tough they are to be at home. And <clears throat> coupled with the fact that Boston College just won as now bowl eligible, really shows we're beating teams at the time that were better than the record it actually is. And when you compare our strength of record and strength of schedule against Ohio State, Georgia, and Michigan, I think we're better than the number four team, and people shouldn't be worried about 
Washington jumping us that the committee is really looking at the right stuff. And I wanted to get y'all's opinion on that. I think that's uh, generally speaking a very good call with a lot of get any arguments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not on this side. And we did a whole. Well, thank you so much for the call, Michael. That's some really good points. And we did a live reaction show last Tuesday when the committee came out with the rankings. And I think that was one of the themes that we. You know, I'm, I'm not again. I think we're kind of like, you know, it's not a big deal because Force it controls its own destiny. They went out; they're going to be in the playoffs. So, it, it we can debate it. it. It's but it's obviously true. And I, you know. We talked about earlier comparing the resumes, and that's a great point about BC now. With Castellano as a quarterback, how different that team is, and they are really good. They've been really good, and but that is still looked at as Florida State didn't have game control, whatever it is in that game, and that's still kind of the one thing that's pointed to. And it still drives me nuts. Tom, when it used to be the day when they would penalize a team for scheduling cream puffs? Yeah. You know, oh. Michigan, where's Michigan? Look. You can schedule your non-conference game. There's any Power 5 team would schedule a home-and-home home or a neutral site game with Michigan at any time. I'm sure we would do it. We've had played up there. They've never come down to Doe Campbell. But any team would do it. They opened up with East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. Why are they ahead of Florida State? We opened with LSU. Yep. yep. It, it, it's, it's complete bullshit. I'm sorry. I probably shouldn't swear on here. It just makes me mad that they are not penalized for that crap. You know, let them make work their way back up, but don't give them that high ranking now, rank them at fifth or sixth or whatever. You go on, you beat Ohio State and all that, fine. We'll bump you up the rankings. But you schedule those kind of teams, you should not get the benefit. All you're doing is encouraging everybody to schedule crap non-conference opponents when you do that. Yeah, agreed. I think what they're doing, Gene, is they're applying the resume first for the first three teams. Then they set a a gap and they say that Florida State is the best of tier two. I think that's what they're doing there. Uh, Do I agree with it? No, but that's clearly what they're doing. Because if you're going to bring resume into the discussion, it has to carry through Florida State and even Washington at that point. And Michigan needs to be at number five at best. Mm-hmm. Specifically, Michigan has to be number five at best. But they put them at three because at that point, they're telling you the eye test of dominance kicks in and Florida State just isn't as good as Michigan, which I, when they don't play a real schedule, how can you know that and how can you prove that? And thus is uh, the no. issue that we've had in college football forever, which is you're arguing over you know, apples and oranges and lemons, and you're saying they're all the same or they're all different, and neither is true. Uh, hopefully, but they can that- control that. I had this argument with Corey. The thing, look, Michigan, he goes, well, Michigan can't control who they – well, they can't control who they play. You know, schedule those teams, encourage teams to schedule because it's good for college football. Yep. When Michigan has to say, well, you know what, if we want to be ranked and we might get shot out of the playoffs so we're not playing a good non-conference schedule, we better go out and schedule some teams. All you're doing is hurting the game by encouraging these big teams, the big 10 teams to sit there and play their crappy, you know, schedule in the conference and then schedule three bozos non-conference every year. Just, I'm sorry. I'm getting my, I'm getting my soapbox. It makes me mad. But again, end of the day, Florida state wins out. They're good. I just hope assuming they do that. And I think they will, they end up in new Orleans, not on the road in California. Yeah. Agreed across the board. Uh, a lot more of our staff at warchant.com can uh, make its way over to new Orleans for the semifinal. If that's the case too. Uh, I think we need to take just a little bit of a break. We hit the hour mark here on Warchant game day, post game call and show brewed up by our friends at Deluna coffee. I saw a comment in the, uh, in the chat here that said that uh, Jordan has hit his ceiling. He's regressed. We're better with Tate. We have a better future with Tate. So <laughs> that to me means that we all need to take a breather. Let's Somebody's all been be- drinking. Somebody's been into the brown water a little bit, folks. That's okay. It's a post-game show. You're in a safe space here. But let's all Ray, take we a love you. and reconvene in just about 90 seconds to two minutes. <laughs> all the love in the world, Ray. We'll be right back. <laughs> 
A longtime supporter of Warchant.com programming and Florida State Athletics, DeLuna Coffee proudly presents you the Warchant Game Day postgame call-in show. FSU alumni owned and operated, DeLuna Coffee's Ed and Brett Lemmicks have a combined 30 years of experience in the coffee industry. DeLuna Coffee's claim to fame is their Blue Angels blend, known as the first ever food or beverage item to be licensed by a military branch. A percentage of proceeds from the Blue Angels blend, Midnight Shift, and High Noon Lawman's blend go to the U.S. Navy, Morale, Welfare, and Recreation program, the Rally Foundation of Pensacola, and the Escambia County Sheriff's Foundation, respectively. For a limited time only, DeLuna Coffee's Voodoo Dark Espresso Blend is buy one, get one free. Head over to DeLunaCoffee.com to check out that deal, as well as the Warchant Pick Your Poison Bundle. From west of I-4 all the way through the Florida Panhandle, look for DeLuna Coffee in your local Publix in the Florida Locals section. You can also always head to DeLunaCoffee.com today. There's fun to be had every night at the Corner Pocket. Kick home prizes on Trivia Tuesdays and Beer Bingo Thursdays. And kickstart your weekend with Martini Fridays. Plus, happy hour runs every weekday and game day specials every time the Knolls take the field. Watch all the best games at the Corner Pocket's Vegas Wall featuring 560 inches of flat screen TV heaven. Oh, really? The best food, the best drinks, and the best place to watch all the games. Tallahassee loves the Corner Pocket. Welcome back into the Warchant Game Day postgame call-in show where we have a very special caller right now. It's a video call at that because it's stadium side. They don't pay me in Pittsburgh, so I'm calling at Heinz Field. I'm calling at Heinz Field. That's where Ira Schofel is. Ira, the managing editor of Warchant.com, who just took in an interesting Saturday of college football for Florida State. What's up, Ira? How you doing up there? I'm pretty good, Tom. How are you guys doing? I don't know, man. We're hanging doing in well. there. Doing well. Thanks, Ira. Well, Ira... Obviously, uh, got off to a slow start there in that first half. You know, it's interesting, the first two drives, I mean, they got 300 yards of offense in that first half, and they drove the ball down the field the first two drives, obviously came up with nothing. Um, could you put your finger on what was going on? Was it just that it was the sandwich game, a look ahead, it came out sloppy, unfocused? Or, I mean, again, was it just the fact that they had to deal without having Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson in the game? Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, to me, um, I just think, and it sounds like they knew early in the week they wouldn't have at least one of those guys. Uh, I don't know, maybe maybe both of them, the, the big two, Johnny and Keon. Um, because when we talked to Ja'Kai Douglas, he said that they came to him, coaches pulled him aside Monday and said, hey, listen, we, we might need you outside, not just as a slot receiver. Uh, is that something you're willing to do? Do you want to give that a shot or do you want to stick at the slot and let us focus more on – maybe one of those younger receivers, Darion Williamson and some of those other guys. Turns out Kentron Portier wasn't very available today. He, he was in uniform, gave it a little bit of a go, but he wasn't full speed either. So basically you were without five wide receivers wow. and uh, and basically all your big body guys. And so, um, you know, they went to Ja'Kai early in the week and uh, that would be my only, I guess, concern early on. I felt like maybe you would tailor the game plan a little bit differently, um, but I also don't know how realistic it, that is. You know, you've been playing – uh, um, to over two months now of one offense, and I don't know how much you're going to change things dramatically in four or five days. So, um, you know, again, they, they got the win, and like you said, they were moving the ball. They just, on a lot of second or third downs, they just went backwards. They got into, they would have some success and then have one really bad play that would doom a drive, and and then they, you know, they have the turnover. They also go for it on fourth down at the eight-yard line and don't get it. And so it was just like, it was a, um, 
confluence of events. It wasn't like they couldn't move the ball at all. They just couldn't really cash in. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Ja'Kai because I figured if there's going to be the go-to guy, it wouldn't be Ja'Kai. But, you know, he obviously had, especially a couple of those catches in the second half. And to me, the thing that stood out was uh, Jordan Travis not relying on his legs, but some really pinpoint throws down the field because the way Pitt was playing Florida State on the box, they were not letting him run. The line wasn't blocking well. Jordan made some pinpoint passes there in that third quarter to really win the game. And that's, you know, it used to be the mantra that Jordan couldn't pass. And boy, he looked to me to throw for 360 yards with all those receivers out and everything going against you. To me, that shows the mark of a great quarterback. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And, and, but part of it was because the way Pitt was playing, like you said, I mean, they had, I mean, on some plays, I mean, they had 11 guys within 10 yards of line of scrimmage. I mean, they just were not going to let Florida State run the football and, uh, you know, certainly let Jordan get going. And so, um, you know, they had to get it going with the passing game. And that's where I, I guess that's where I'm kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth. On one hand, I say, you know, uh, maybe don't take so many shots to when you don't have your big play receivers out there. At the same time, they're playing eight, nine, ten guys in the box. So you have to do something to try to loosen them up. And and so, like, in the second half, they did hit some of those passes to Ja'Kai that were huge. Jordan, the, the one down the right sideline, Jordan, man, could not have thrown that ball any better into a pretty tight window to Chicago Douglas, the long pass to uh, 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 Spurlock or Morlock. Morlock. Morlock was a was a, a huge play as well. Um, so they only got three points out of that, but it was just big to kind of loosen it up. They also had terrible terrible field position the whole game. Like it was one of those games where Pitt was definitely playing defense and field position. I think at one point late in the game, Florida State had only uh, taken over possession. I think one time outside of their twenty five yard line, they had bad field position the whole game. So even when they would get 30 or 40 or 50 yards, they still weren't really in field in position to score. So it was just a really weird game. And I think the last thing I want to ask you about, just the defense obviously keeping them in that game because that first half could have been – you should have been down at halftime. Honestly, it felt like you were down, even though it was 10 to 7 at halftime. Central Cypress obviously blew the play, but then again, he made the great play. It could have been a lot worse at the half without staying with it and forcing the fumble there right on the goal line. But again – I got to say that's pretty good for the defense to hold. I know Pitt's not a great offensive team, but anytime you hold a team to seven points, I mean, that in, in a game like this, when all those guys down the defense really need to be leaned upon, in my opinion, they came through. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's one of those games you can't get too excited about what you do against Pitt, Pitt's offense because, you know, that quarterback's not very good. And uh, it's just they're not a good offense overall. And they still end up with, um, you know, over 300 yards of offense, but about 220, I think, were in the first half. Uh, on a couple of big plays where, um, you know, like you said, the, the play where Charles Cypress strips the ball out before the end zone, they were really celebrating that play after the game, um, you know, as much as they hate the breakdown defensively. Uh, but, man, that is that is a big play to stay with it and to fight and, uh, you know, knock that ball out before the goal line. Because a lot of times, man, you see teams, and we've seen bad Florida State teams, just kind of let the guy walk into the end zone. And, and so there's something to be said for that. They're going to celebrate that while also acknowledging – you know, they've got to play better. But I thought the defensive front was dominant in the second half. I mean, they really got after uh, Pitt's quarterback anytime he dropped back. Even though Pitt was, you know, protecting with a lot of guys, they would keep seven, eight guys in to protect. Florida State still got pressure on them as the game went on. So, you know, again, man, it's a, it's a game where, I, you know, it's not pretty. But, man, you're 9-0. You've clinched a berth in the ACC championship game. Uh, really, this was – and this was like the last game where I thought you might – kind of have a hard time either getting focused or getting giving your best effort um, because, you know, Pitt's two and six coming in. They're two and seven now. Uh, but now, man, from here on out, you've got Miami, North Alabama, and then Florida, and uh, everything is right there for this team.
So, Ira, the one question I have, I appreciate the, the note on Kentron that he wasn't 100% because he was held without a catch. And then I raised my eyebrows when you reported on the Tribal Council before the game that he wasn't running with the starters, that Darion was starting outside, Ja'Kai was, and Destin, and, and it was not Kentron. I was like, well, what's what gives there? So thank you for the information because we had no idea about that. I will ask you about injuries and what you could perceive from the press box. Uh, we're not censored from looking at the sidelines from the press box, as far as I know. Uh, that media policy hasn't been updated. But Destin looked like he pulled up a little bit on that catch and run for 29 yards. Obviously, he's fighting through something, making sure he was okay. Jordan was limping towards the end. Did you see him around after the game? And I don't think we saw Robert Scott out there at all uh, at, at tackle for Florida State after playing 20-odd snaps. So any anything else from any other guys that you might have seen? Because – Clearly, the attrition has kind of set in, and Florida State had a battle pass today. Yeah, uh, I'll try to get those. If you if I miss one, r- remind me. Um, but uh, yeah, Robert Scott was dressed. He went through pregame warmups, um, but he did not play. Like you said, as far as I know, I don't think he played at all. They started Darius at left tackle, then they went to Bless Harris. Um, and uh, you know, I think it might have been kind of an emergency uh, case. Maybe Robert Scott could have played. Um, I don't know. You know, I feel like man, with some of these guys, some of these guys who've been banged up, I feel like they were kind of precautionary trying to get as many guys available for Pitt. Uh, Keon Coleman, I mean, some people said they saw a slight limp when he was walking around pregame. Looked like he was walking around pretty good to me, so I feel like he's going to be back this week. Mike Marvell said he, as much after the game he when he, in his postgame interview. You guys can watch it and decide for yourselves. But he was, he said he did get a little injury in the Wake Forest game, and I think he's been dealing with something for the last couple of weeks, something minor. And uh, my my belief is, and I could be wrong, but my belief is maybe this is a chance to, you know, give him another week to just get fully healthy, and you're going to need him against Miami and Florida. And so I think that might have been more precautionary. Possibly also the same with Johnny Wilson. He was here. He made the trip. I think that's a really good sign. He did not make the trip to Wake Forest last week. Um, you know, he's been coming back from what it looked to be like a head, a head injury. But the fact that he traveled, made this trip, he practiced some early in the week. Mike Norvell commented on that. I think those are all positive things. I think there's a chance he might play this week. And then um, Dustin Hill, I did see, like you said, he, he. I couldn't tell if he was given like the dead leg when he was running or if he was actually maybe pulled something on that. But he, like you said, he had missed some time earlier. So maybe he tweaked something. We didn't get a report on that after the game. Um, and then uh, Jordan Travis, I saw him limping as well a little bit. He did not come to postgame interviews. We requested him. He's been coming for postgame interviews. Um, so that, you know, makes you a little uneasy. But at the same time, man, I mean, from what we've seen from Jordan Travis over these last couple of years, there's no way in hell I don't think there's, he's not playing against Miami. So so I, I, I think he's fine. I think he could have kept playing in that game. He just probably was a little bit, um, you know, bruised in this game. Um, I was trying to think if there's anybody else you mentioned. Oh, and then uh, as far as Kentron goes, yeah, that, that that clearly was something that happened either during the week where he was came into the week with it because, like I said, you know they went to Jakai on Monday and asked him if he wanted to make that move to outside. And he said he really hasn't played outside receiver since probably his freshman year. So wow. that was a, a big part of this. You know, again, you know he didn't score a touchdown, but when this offense needed a couple of plays, man, he had a couple of huge, huge plays. Six catches, six catches for 115 yards, basically playing outside receiver for the first time in two or three years. Last thing, Ira, from R. Wilmer. I'll let you – this is your option. You can either answer it now or tomorrow night on the smash at mm-hmm. 7 o'clock. So it's totally up to you. But R. Wilmer wants to know if you would have kicked the field goal or gone for it on the first drive. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm you know, just backseat uh, driving or second guessing. I, I would have kicked the field goal just because 
you know, again, that's, you know, but that's how Mike Marvell is. I mean, this, we've seen this is who he is. I just feel like with so many guys out on offense, um, you know, you don't know how this game's going to go. And, uh, you know, I think he was clearly very confident what they could do defensively um, in this game. But you'd already had a turnover. Uh, now you're down there inside the 10-yard line. I would have taken the points. But I get it, man. Mike Norvell's going to stick to what he wants to do, and he's going to be aggressive in those situations. So I guess, you know, you rather than be consistent than wishy-washy, um, but I probably would have taken the points. But about a real quick, uh, would you have been shocked if he did kick the field goal, knowing Mike Norvell and his tendency up for four yeah, yeah. to always go for it? I mean, I agree with you. I get it. I understand that. But you can't – a tiger can't change his stripes, man. He, he, he gets that situation. He's going to go for it every time. And, you know, and I think there's something to be said for that. I don't necessarily – it's not my nature. But I think that what's – well, what I mean is there's something to be said for showing confidence in your team even when you don't have your four yeah. or five top receivers. Like, he's he's always sending these messages. Think back to 2020 when they were aggressive against Notre Dame or, you know, mm-hmm. in some, uh, 2021 against NC State. Like, he's always going to try to uh, make the players believe that he believes in them. And so he's going to make those decisions and say, I believe in you. I know we're going to get this done. And sometimes it backfires. You just hope it doesn't backfire in a bigger situation to where, you know, they can't come out of it. It's Irish O'Fell, the managing editor of Warchant.com, and he's on a flight in like uh, eight hours from right now. So uh, <laughs> enjoy your nap, Ira. <laughs> Safe travels, the, uh, Ira. Thank goodness the uh, we're rolling the clocks back an hour. So I'm going to That's get... true. You get an extra hour. So plenty of time to make the smash. No excuses. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ira. Appreciate it. Uh, from the stadium that is uh, Irish O'Fell, and that's right. He's, I think it's a 5 a.m. flight, something like that. Oh, so, uh, my yeah, he will be uh, the, the extra hour. So damn cheap! I'm always getting him on the red eyes. <laughs> the uh, the uh, the rule of the law tonight, though, is if you can stay up an extra hour to watch some college football, do so because you get the extra mm-hmm. from the time change. You get a little bit of extra time yourself. So, um, uh, to those of you who are still watching now, the 800 plus, thank you very much for watching War Chant Game Day's post game call in show. Hit the like button right now. Subscribe to Warchant TV. It's absolutely free. We'll tell you about subscribing to the website, Warchant.com, in just a moment. We've, we've had some people patiently waiting. For 25 minutes, has Heather up in Pittsburgh been waiting? And I guess that means you're at the game today, Heather, or is this just a coincidence? But welcome to the program. Go ahead, Heather. Hey, hey good evening, gentlemen. Yes, it's Heather. Hey, I'm Heather. I'm along with my work camp buddy here, Eric Angel. We are sitting uh, at a rooftop bar at the Embassy Suite, and we are celebrating another FSU dome. There you go. Well, that sounds like an excellent place to be. How's the weather, Heather? It's not cold at all. Hmm. Interesting. Your thoughts it's, on the game? Very pleasant. Outstanding. What, what you got for us? What are your thoughts on the game? Well, first of all, the Pittsburgh fans came pretty liquored up and ready to fight. Um, <laughs> it was very acrimonious in the stands. Wow. I will say that. Uh, several fights were barely averted. Eric almost got kicked out of the stadium. He was warned <laughs> a couple times by the stadium staff. Okay. Although we did bond with some Pittsburgh fans over the quality of the ACC officiating this evening. Okay. We were able to bond a little bit with them on that. Um, but hey, I wanted to know, did you guys notice the special moves by Ja'Kai Douglas? Particularly <laughs> one move he made midfield, where it looked like he was, I don't know, doing something dirty with the football? 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, you yeah, know I saw that, Heather. I didn't see it. Honestly, I didn't see it. So I've got to go back and look. His, his hips were in motion. Um, oh, his hips, his hips were in motion? Is that, is that yes. accurate, Heather? Were his hips in motion? I mean, yeah, his hips were in motion. It was definitely a very much a Ja'Kai Douglas game. And I was a little bit blown away by that. And I was like, did you guys see that? Oh, my God, did he just do that? And my mind was blown, and it just didn't even seem like anybody noticed. And I was thought for sure he was going to get a flag. But nope, no flag. Kept on rolling. Caught another pass a couple of plays later. We were all good. All right, Heather. Now, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. So I, I want you to – you can make a choice here. Uh, but what were the what what were the alleged offenses that the stadium personnel saw that might have gotten somebody a warning to be thrown out? What were those offenses? Well, you know, there was some profanity involved, some pretty <laughs> With strong, Eric, profanity, really pretty loud, you know, uh, very um, booming types of loud profanity, and about the quality of officiating, pretty much. You know, that was it. Yeah. We would expect nothing less. Heather, please call back next game. Heather, great call. Thank, thank you very much. That sounded like, oh, it sounded like uh, Eric might have tried to drum, uh, jump in there a little bit. Tom, but, uh, they're they're going to trust me. The 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 hip thrust will be. Uh, I'm sure someone will make a gif out of it. It'll make its way to Twitter at some point. And it was yeah. when they saw it, you could see the TV cut away quickly. <laughs> it was not fit for television. Man, um, I'm, not, I'm gonna try. It was not PG. Put it that way. <laughs> I'm gonna try and find that. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to find it before the show's out. And Eric, Eric was being booed out of Pitt Stadium for f bombs. I mean, that's the best. I mean, yes. So I, I think in the last ten minutes, we've had breaking news in a sense. Like I had no idea that Kentron was dinged up. So like that's legitimate. No, news. Ira breaking the news. Ira who broke the news uh, about Johnny not playing, and uh, I don't know if he did Kentron or Keon as well. But then giving us the news about Keon, yep. or I'm sorry about Kentron. Yep. We had no idea about that either. Yeah, so we've, we've hit all, all sides of things. That's what's so great about the post-game show. We got laughter. We got breaking news. We got everything. Yeah, that is that. my point is it's not breaking news that Eric <laughs> might have gotten warned about being tossed <laughs> for F-bombs in the stands, especially as it pertains to ACC officiating. <laughs> so that is unsurprising in the best way, in the best way. Now we go to uh, Tallahassee, uh, the local side of things. For the sixth time, we're talking to Austin. And you know what? I think the topic matches up with what we were just talking about. Go ahead, Austin. Welcome to the program. Hey, guys. Uh, really happy that I'm back on the, the program here. Uh, Gene, I just want to say that the shirt that you're wearing, that Columbia polo, I'm 9-0 with that polo this year. Uh, aside from that, I just want to say that for me too, uh, so it gold. the offensive line has been really rough on run defense, like running but our our offensive line on pass blocking has been really good. So, you know, Jordan Travis bothers me sometimes, but he's been a really good good player. So, God bless you, Jordan Travis. That's all I got to say. <laughs> we have a blessing on the post-game yes. show. Appreciate that, Austin. Uh, we've got some good calls tonight. Jordan has been blessed. Uh, and he has been, generally speaking, with uh, unbelievable ability to play. These back-to-back efforts, Gene, just uh, pivoting to talking about Jordan a little bit more, in terms of as a passer, like I argued this week on the site, warchant.com, that that was his most comprehensive passing performance against Wake Forest when you're talking about decisiveness, the willingness to take the underneath throw, even though there might be something downfield, 
all fields being hit accurately, the middle of the field, deep, outside the numbers, deep shots, you name it, he did it. And then today, without two trees on the outside, he was able to complete oh, three. No, here. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Garrett. There it is. Thank you very much. <laughs> 36 passes for 360 yards. Uh, 10 yards an attempt, if my math is correct, and I know it is. So, um, yeah, Jordan, outstanding, the back-to-back weeks as a passer, not necessarily as a runner, but as a passer. And that's a headline to me, Gene, because as Florida State now has two rivalry games in a span of 14 days, beginning next Saturday, you need Jordan Travis, the passer, to be at his apex, and it looks like he is right now. Yeah, no, it, it's almost like he had to be more accurate with his throws and, like you said, more decisive because, he, frankly, you can be a little sloppy when Johnny and Keon are out there. Like, you know, I know you and Dion did, or you and uh, D Rob did the breakdown a couple weeks ago about some of the on Keon. Actually, it was last week. Really good. If you can go back on War TV and watch that, it's a really good breakdown of what Keon does so well. But even his, you know, poster moment that's going to be, hopefully, they highlighted to, when he wins the Bolitnikoff, him going, was not a great pass. Yeah, but because he's Keon, he can make that catch on stuff like that. So that uh, it was just we need a decisive, accurate Jordan. You got this game, and I thought was also good. Austin brought up was the pass protection. We've been kind of slamming the offensive line for the bad run blocking. The pass, you know, I, and we tracked this stuff on PFF, and they've been very good according to PFF for the most part this season. Run blocking and the pressures have been. I think I'm looking right now. These aren't as comprehensive. According to the official stats, he was only hurried three times by Pitt's defense. Now, that may change the number of pressures. will probably be higher when PFF comes with that number. But really, it's been very reasonable and pretty solid uh, throughout the 23 seasons so far. So, yeah, pass blocking has definitely been way ahead of run blocking so far. We have two callers remaining. We're going to take one quick break, take your calls, and then wrap it up for this evening. It's just a 60-second break, so stay with us. This is the War Chant Game Day postgame call and show brewed up by our friends at DeLuna Coffee. Our head coach has a taste for the finer things in life. Personally, I like to picture him in front of a fireplace, clad in a garnet and gold velvet robe, with a glass of Lagavulin 16 and a Cuban cigar. Rumor has it, coach has a brand new Bengal tiger rug and a photo of Brian Kelly on his mantle. Now, while coach has high-powered offensive weapons at his disposal, FSU fans need only one thing to start their game day. That's DeLuna Coffee's Blue Angels Blend. Talk about high-powered. This jet fuel in a cup will have you feeling like you can take down a 500-pound tiger yourself. Two cups will have you wanting to boost an F-18 for the pregame flyover. Our advice, though, leave the hunt to the professionals. It doesn't mean that you still can't enjoy the finer things in life, just like Coach Mike. Trust me when I tell you, DeLuna Coffee makes for one hell of an espresso martini. Head to DeLunaCoffee.com today to find out more. One more note from our friends at DeLuna Coffee. Brett Lemick sent me this uh, copy, so I shall read it with vigor. It's safe to say that DeLuna Voodoo, the magic works. The pit secondary took pick your poison a little too seriously. And Hurricane Mario going to be downgraded to a tropical depression this week. Voodoo magic was not needed today uh, for Florida State. And uh, Miami, they have their own magic, and it's called not kneeling the football. Uh, Speaking of depression, FSU's opponents are all too familiar with it this season. Did you see the Pitt fans walking out of the stadium with a full quarter to go? So check in on your Miami friends, your Pitt friends, your Clemson friends, maybe your Florida friends today who just lost to Arkansas. Send them a bundle of coffee. Send it from DeLuna Coffee. And if you use code turnovervandyke, they'll include a bottle of Prozac. 
along with the coffee. That is an unofficial, of course, offer from our friends at DeLuna Coffee. But head over today to DeLunaCoffee.com. That's DeLunaCoffee.com in order to purchase your coffee from people who support the Florida State Seminoles athletics programs and us at Warchan TV. That's our friends at DeLuna Coffee. We appreciate their sponsorship all season long. Our final caller, we just had Exit from Havana drop out. So Exit, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a pass. If you call back, we will pick up the phone for you. But we now go to the 229. We talked to you just about three weeks ago. Who am I speaking with in the 229? Go ahead. Hey, this is Nicholas Young. How y'all doing? Hey, Nicholas. Welcome to the program Nicholas. again, man. Go ahead. Hey, hey, I appreciate it. But thanks for picking me out. Hey, uh, I appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Hey, uh, I knew it was going to be a tough game, being that obviously everybody knew Johnny Wilson was out. And then, but last minute, Keon Coleman, the Keon show, last minute was out. So I know it was going to be tough. And so the chemistry is, is not built as far as a game experience with the other receivers. So from a throwing standpoint, that was going to be tough all day long, no matter who you're going to play against. So, uh, but hey, I know I was technical last time. I was, you know, we, we I think last time I called it was was uh, we killed Syracuse. No, no questions asked. But hey, mm-hmm. I'm just happy for a win against Pitt. I know that might seem a little uh, nonchalant, but with this game, with our receivers being out and the Keon show and all of the above, I'm just, I'm just happy for a W, man. That, that's all. There you go. Well, Nicholas, we appreciate the call. Nicholas is everybody can make a choice, Gene. It seems like every week of what you want to focus on the positive or the negative. And Nicholas says, Hey, big players are out. Stars are out. Two NFL football players are out. And you won 24 to seven. Eh, that's fine. Yep. I think, you know, we all go into this game, especially knowing who is out. Would you say all those players are going to be out? We know it was even worse after Ira told us and we even thought it was going to be going in. Um, would you take 24 seven? We'd all say, yeah, I'm fine with 24 seven. Yep, is a final score. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, as Nicholas pointed out, a win is a win. A couple things on score sco- scores here, Tom. Uh, I think we're starting to see more and more. It looks like it's gonna be FSU Louisville mm-hmm. uh, in that ACC championship game. They're putting the wood on Virginia Tech. It was thirty. Oh, that was a final thirty-four to three. Mm-hmm. Miami is down seven to three to uh, NC State. It's early, but uh, again, we know about that rat trap. That it, it's a tough place to play up in Raleigh, man. Those it, they get it going on up there. And uh, uh, what else we got? We'll do a couple other ones. Uh, LSU, uh, it's 14-7 Alabama over LSU. Alabama just missed a field goal from about 47 yards. USC Uh, Washington, 21-7. That's going to be – I said whatever that over was, take the over. I told a couple buddies, I don't care what it is, take the over in that game. There's going to be 70-68. It's going to be the final of that thing. Agreed. Uh, I think that's the other key game. Any other big games going on? No, if you're just looking at, at other threats to Florida State in a one-loss scenario, Texas uh, evaded an upset today. They yeah. beat Kansas State 33-30 in overtime. In Bedlam, it was Oklahoma State victorious over Oklahoma. Mm. That's 27-24 is the final there. So Oklahoma State improves to 7-2, and 5-1 and one in the Big 12. Oklahoma drops to 7-2, and two, and they're 4-2 and two in the Big 12. This was a big day for the Big 12, Gene. There were five one-loss teams in conference play entering today. Two of them are playing right now. Uh, let's see. I believe that's Kansas and Iowa State. Yeah, 14-3 Kansas right now. Yeah, Kansas has two losses. But there there were a lot of teams with one loss in the Big 12 play. At any rate, it uh, looks like Texas is in the driver's seat in the Big 12. And now Oklahoma State has the edge over the Sooners. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought it was going to be a rematch after they mm-hmm. played um, Red River. 
that doesn't look to be the case now. So a bit of a surprise there. I think, I mean, Gene, everybody's going to be watching those two games tonight in terms of playoff importance between LSU, Alabama and USC and Washington. Uh, both of those games have a healthy chunk of time to go in the second quarter. So that's what you got there. And Louisville is now the prohibitive favorite to see Florida State head to head in Charlotte, which we did clinch today at seven and zero in conference mm-hmm. play. We are guaranteed a spot in Charlotte. So that is excellent. Thank you to Yuckmouth, who always gets in here uh, mm-hmm. towards the end of the show. He appreciates it. And we're back in the thank AC you, Championship. So thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate you. Are you the DJ that used to be on Golf 104 on Sunday afternoons uh, when I was driving back up? That would be funny if you were. Uh, we now go to Exit in Havana. Exit, exit. caller of the day, the final caller. We apologize to the other person in the queue. But go ahead, Exit. Welcome to the program. Hey, I just want to say, uh, you know, when I, I retired from the Marines, but the whole time that uh, part of my last uh, five years in the Marines, I truly enjoyed Gene uh, doing the deal that he did with War Chant, and uh, I, I truly missed that. Uh, but I want I want to ask the experts, because even though I live now here in Tallahassee, you guys are a little bit closer to the team than I am. Uh, did you feel like maybe we were a little bit vanilla on offense uh, this year? or not this year, but uh, today against uh, Pittsburgh, uh, it seemed like we were, we were a little bit vanilla. Yeah, I, I would agree. Thank you, Exit, for the call. I'd say that's because you don't have receivers yeah. that you trust with uh, the ability to play chess down the field. And we just learned from Ira that Kentron was far less than 100%. So when you combine that with the fact that Destin Hill is not even close to 100%, four of your top five guys, undoubtedly four of your top five guys, are not healthy. And Gene, I don't, you know, did and you Hakeem see- Williams, too. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, it's unbelievable. One position has been gutted this much. Yeah, and I didn't see Deuce Span. I know that we didn't have a lot of yeah. kickoff return attempts. Was he available today? I should have asked Ira about that. So it's just like I didn't see him on the field. I, you know, we'll get the snap counts, but if he didn't, maybe he didn't even play. I mean, that would be, I mean, it'd be unbelievable if he wasn't available either. Yeah. So I, I think at that point, exit to answer your question, you have to go vanilla because mm-hmm. Jakai doesn't usually play outside. So you're not trusting him to make like a receiver side adjusts against certain coverages. You need him to go where he, he is scheme to go so Jordan knows where he's going to be to throw the football it's about trust and chemistry from the quarterback so uh, you know when you develop that extra level that otherworldly chemistry Gene you know this from watching football forever in a day you guys are you don't even have to communicate you see the same things you mm-hmm. see the field the same way and maybe the play calls for you to run all the way as far as you can but you're going to break off that route Jordan knows that because he's worked with you if you're Johnny Wilson for the last couple of years but if it's Jakai or Darion you can't offer those options. I think you need to play it more vanilla. So I think that's the answer to the question. Exit doesn't mean that they were awesome at it. They were a lot of there was a lot of ugliness out there today. Nobody yeah. disputes that, right, Gene? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think 100. percent You're right on that. When you when you're thrown a loop where all most of your players you rely on that you have a connection with are out mm-hmm. or limited, it really you can't do a whole lot. I say all that, of course. The not the crazy flea flicker play in the second half. You say vanilla, but then that gets just bizarrely thrown out there uh, on a play too when you should be vanilla. But also, I think you got to factor in the fact that your defense was playing well. Pitt was offense was frankly inept for the most part. Mm-hmm. Quarterback wasn't great, so why get too crazy on offense? Just play its very standard vanilla game. Put it just put a few points on the board, and you're going to win it. It's not a beauty contest. It's about getting the W and moving on. And you know that they did exactly what they needed to do. We've got three more people to thank. Noel Buck, 83. First game in person. Disappointed to not see Keon and Johnny. 
could see him on the sideline, I guess, if you want. <laughs> Felt like we left points out there. They were so tight to the line of scrimmage all game. I'm assuming you're talking about Pitt. Um, you know, yeah, formationally, right. we did a little bit of that, mm-hmm. but Pitt certainly was loaded up around the line of scrimmage. I hope you enjoyed your first game. That was a win. It was a win, Noel Buck 83. So hopefully uh, you got that kind of enjoyment about it. But yeah, Gene, I feel like this was maybe max output today around 31, 34 points if you really capitalized on every opportunity. Uh, if you're Florida State, well, who knows? I mean, you had the, you could have honestly scored the first two drives. You fumbled the ball. You were moving the ball pretty easily down the field. You had the fourth down, wherever you're close to the ten yard line, wherever that was when you did that one too. So you could have easily been up fourteen nothing at that point. And who knows? At that point, you might have rolled with a big, big win had you not done it. Because you could tell after that they were kind of discombobulated uh, for the rest of the half almost. Um, so yeah, I mean, you could see it, but no, you you. I mean, you your big weapons were gone. I mean, it's it's a major impact. I mean. You know, think about any even take out Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. How good is Kansas City? Take out Josh Allen and Steph Diggs for Buffalo. How good are they? I mean, you take out the star players for any football team on offense. Their offense isn't going to be as good. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that's exactly what you saw here. But again, it was it was lucky you're playing Pitt. Lucky the defense stood up. So you did just enough to win. And you had a lot of guys make plays who had to make plays. And maybe they'll be leaned on Gene in a championship game of some kind, a conference championship, a playoff game. If Ja'Kai Douglas has the ball come his way on a third and 12 and you really got to have it and he makes that play, mm-hmm. the likelihood is he made that play because of what he did today. You know, it's this is the thing that happens over a course of a season. Sometimes people that you're not banking on to contribute have to in order to put you over the top. Florida man in Texas, any status on Garnet the Goldfish? I feel like Jeff jinxed us during the week. Uh, I know he made the trip, Florida man in Texas. We were told he flew up uh, via Super Chat. I saw a picture. I think he was with the pilots, right? There was something on Twitter, the picture yeah. of him with the pilots. I, you know, I hope it's the same fish. Uh, I hope that fish lives for 50 years. But if it's the third or fourth different fish, it wouldn't surprise me uh, one bit. Any other Super Chats uh, before I turn it over to Gene here in a second, Director Ben? Or are we? Yep. Okay, no. Nico again. FSU didn't score 30. But, oh, no, we, we got this. Thank you, Nico. I appreciate you. appreciate the uh, the contribution. Uh, I will do this now, Gene. I'm going to play the uh, the selfish, unprofessional card. Hopefully you will indulge me. I think you'll understand why. Uh, but my house is a little bit emptier tonight because my wife, Jamie, is up in Manhattan right now uh, sleeping the night before the New York City Marathon. She runs tomorrow, mm. the New York Marathon. Uh, this will be her second marathon that she competes in, but the first time up in NYC. So uh, all my love up to you wife of mine and i hope that you run true tomorrow and uh, she should be finishing because she's in the last corral around five o'clock so babe good luck to you and i hope that good it'll luck happen. jamie yeah, yeah uh gene now for the closing thoughts for tonight uh either your final thoughts on tonight's game what's to come and or promotions for warchant.com as the founder and administrator take this bus wherever you want it to go yeah, I think the Washington USC game, by the way, 21 21, it's just, it's everybody scoring a touchdown every single drive. So it's fun. If you like offensive football, tune in that game after our show. We're about, we're about to wrap it up here. Uh, you know, I'm just very, very satisfied with the effort. Uh, I think the biggest key going to Miami is just to get these guys healthy. I mean, I think that's the key to the game. I think if Florida State is fully loaded, a little healthy in the offensive line, you get Keon, you get Johnny back out there. We assume, we hope Jordan's 100%. I, I think he'll be fine. I think he just got a little banged up, but I think he'll be good to go. I can't imagine what would even keep him out of the Miami game. Yep. So I think that's that's really where they're going in, and I think that's the game. I think if you get past that game at home, I think we'll hopefully find out in a few hours. By the way, tune in first thing in the morning. Set, you know, fall back. Those clocks, you get an extra hour of sleep tonight. Thank goodness. Yeah, we're all, all happy about that. Um, you know, hopefully in the morning we'll know that that, cross our fingers, that's a primetime game here in Doe Campbell Stadium coming up. 
And uh, we'll, of course, be at happy hour. So all you guys coming to Tallahassee, come to happy hour corner pocket, five o'clock on Friday and then hotel Indigo. So what time do we start that time? So if it's, a, I guess it's, what is it? Three hours before kickoff? Three hours before kickoff. Uh, it's the okay. easiest way to put it. So if it is a, a primetime game, what we do know, Gene, is that the game is on ABC. So I imagine that means, uh, I'm just going to do the math here. Florida State is not going to be put up against uh, Penn State, Michigan, which has already been announced for big noon Saturday. Like I don't think the network would put Florida no, State. They, they've they've gone out of their way to avoid the Big Ten yeah. Yeah. big games each week anyway. So that takes away the noon kickoff in my mind. Right. So I think and, and ABC's prime time is typically 730. So I think you're looking at 330 or 730, which would mean Probably. the pregame show will either be 1230 or 4.30 p.m. next week at Hotel Indigo. So come join us. And do I still have, I guess the last thing, do I still have the uh, the show, the video promotion up there, the $1 for two months? So we, have I not turned that off yet, Tom? Uh, I Man, I don't have that kind of power. I don't, think, I don't think I've turned it off. So, boy, it's still there. I guess as long as FSU keeps winning and I keep drinking this fine beer, we'll just keep that going. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, we, you know, sometimes you get the dollar for a month promotion. Well, right now it's a dollar for two months and that's, what's that going to, that's going to get you geez through the end of the year at this point. Right. Tom? It gets you in November. It gets you into 2024. Wow. It gets you through signing day. This year is a little bit later. It's the 20th of December. It'll get you all the way through signing day. It'll get you through if Florida state makes it in fact to the college football playoff semifinals. It'll get all the way through that game. Everything in between, a lot of twists, a lot of turns for the football team, a lot of twists, a lot of turns for the 2024 recruiting class. Who knows? Maybe there'll be some transfer portal developments in December as well. They might not. That's right. The portal opens up. Yeah. One month from now. That's the best. Uh, And I put that in quotation marks. Uh, But we're very good at it. Florida State is very good at it. So that's the good thing. Uh, But folks, I say this every week and I mean this. Give us a chance to earn your business. You're going to really like War Chant. You're here. You're here for a reason watching us right now. Give it a shot for a buck. I mean, really, if you don't like it, that's fine, but you're going to love what we provide you at warchant.com. So we would very much appreciate you giving us a chance, and we appreciate you for considering that yeah. uh, at this point. Uh, so, Gene, there's there's a lot coming up on the channel the next couple of days. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, Sunday Smash. It'll be myself, Irish O'Fell, Dominic Robinson. will be by before the show ends as well for his thoughts. Um, and he usually takes a Q&A. So if you've got scheme questions, bring those to the table for Dominic, and he may be able to answer those on the fly for us. Wake Up War Chant, Monday morning, first thing in your pod feeds. You'll have Wake Up War Chant reacting to this game, Florida State being 9-0. The Jeff Cameron Show at 1 o'clock Monday afternoon, live here on War Chant TV. And then again, we got to remind you, folks, a lot of you showed up, over a 1,000 um, of you, for the Tuesday night college football playoff watch-along. We're all getting together to see where Florida State is after tonight's proceedings. Who knows, Gene? Maybe, uh, maybe Washington goes down, maybe... Uh, LSU beats Alabama and that bolsters Florida State's case. We'll see what happens, but we will be live on mm. WarChant TV on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. And that's all on the channel side. But the, the website has the pro football focus grades tomorrow and a hell of yeah, a lot more, yeah. too. There we go. There's Mike. Yeah, we'll have the pro football grades for you in the morning. Might even be a little earlier because I want to see that Miami-Kansas City game, which kicks off in, <laughs> in Frankfurt, Germany at 930. So I may have to get up early to do those pro football focus grades if I want to see that tomorrow. So it'll be, yeah, always interesting to see what they grade the units, what the players get. Uh, somebody, <laughs> so, <laughs> gotta, yeah. I didn't do that. That's, oh my gosh, Ben. Okay. Right. I can't, I can't look at that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have that going in. And, and also, so we'll have that. Obviously we'll have Corey's column, which should be up probably I'm sure tonight at some point, Corey will give his thoughts on the game 
yep. and they uh, will have to do a, I'm sure a virtual uh, war chant wrap will be up a little bit later. I don't think Corey made the trip to Pennsylvania, but we'll have all that. And of course the wildly popular Jeff Cameron show one to three will be available for a new, this channel locally in Tallahassee on the radio. And of course the podcast, you can listen to that as well. And then some little headlines. I'm sure those guys will have a lot to talk about heading to Miami week. So, oh boy, oh boy, is that going to be fun. I'm sure at some point you guys, or whether it is uh, Wake Up Orchard, will have Gary Furman probably from Kane Sport mm-hmm. uh, on to help preview that game. And uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Miami game. That's enough, boy, a lot of good football to watch tonight. You got Alabama LSU tied up 14 14. You got, you know, you got USC, Washington going, and you got the Canes still, uh, I don't know, is it still 7 to 3? I haven't seen an update on that game, too. So that's a lot of good football to watch tonight. Yeah, seven to six now. Seven to seven six. To six. Okay. Uh, it's early in the third quarter there. They're just about to go into halftime, LSU-Alabama, but Bama is driving. They're inside the LSU 30. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. But when these games hit halftime, everybody, remember to check out the channel. We've got Mike Norvell's press conference. We've got player interviews as well. I think Braden Fisk stopped by tonight. Nice. Uh, I, I would imagine they got Ja'Kai tonight as well, in addition to more content. But uh, as I always say, and I mean it, the next thing I do when we sign off is I go find Mike Norvell's press conference because I, I want to hear his tone about how he saw things tonight. But we got Pat. You hear John with the officials during the game. I'm glad they caught that on there too. Yeah, there was a there was, he was not happy with it was shock shock. It wasn't happy with some of the calls by the officials in the game. He was not. One of them was the defensive hold where I think the kid went down with a non-contact injury. Sadly, like you know, you want the kid to be okay, but that was on Az Thomas. And then they call the same jersey foul on Florida State. He's like, that's them. What the hell's wrong with you? That's on them. That's not on us. Uh, so he'll comment on those things. Kalen Deloach, Ja'Kai Douglas, Braden Fisk available tonight. And then the War Chant wrap on the channel as well. So, Gene, did I miss anything or are we good? Oh, I think we're good. Let's uh, FSU's now clinch the ACC. So book that, book those Charlotte trips. Get that lodging now before the Louisville fans can scoop, the, scoop up their end and uh, get the best deals on that. So, yeah, we're looking forward to Charlotte and looking forward to a huge, we hope, Doke is rocking at night, yep. but Doke will be rocking whether that's a regardless of the kickoff time. It's going to be a great weekend. There's nothing like Miami, Florida State, especially when Miami actually has a pulse going into the game, which they haven't in a long time. So this will be a good one. It's freaking Florida State Miami week. Cheers to that. Everybody go get a refill. We're about to wrap up. Thank you to Joshua, to Garrett, Florida Man in Texas, times two, double D Supreme, Mrs. Z-Chan, in addition to mm. Z-Chan. Johnny Z. Noel, Brick Gardner, got it right that time. Noel Kev, Kim, Ed Lemix, the Wealth Influencer, Jim, Nico, Florida Man in Texas again, Noel Buck, Yuckmouth. Thank you all for your contributions. Thank you to everybody who just advanced the conversation in the chat and brought up comments. And great calls, too, as well. Thank everybody who called in. Really some love love you guys calling in. You usually pick me up. Sometimes a little upset about how fish you played. Most of you guys are very positive. And Heather giving the on-site you know, from what it was like in Pitt Stadium, the blow-by-blow with our friend Eric Angel. So that was great to get that kind of reporting on-site. They and came- Ira for giving us the on-site report and giving us some some real news and context, what was going on with the receiver unit. Ira can't tell us that everybody came in liquored up, though. So thank you, Heather. We appreciate <laughs> that. That is, uh, that is the insight we're looking for on the post-game show. For Terry Clark, behind the scenes, screening the calls. Thank you, Terry. Director Ben, making us look good. And uh, don't put up Ja'Kai again, but for putting up Ja'Kai and finding that. <laughs> thank you to Garrett for tweeting us that. We appreciate you as well. For Gene Williams, my name is Tom Lang. This has been the War Chant Game Day post-game call and show, sponsored by our friends at DeLuna Coffee. Good night, everybody. 9-0. and 0.